episode you are about to hear contains explicit words. Your opinions within are those of the hosts and in no way imply that anyone listening to this podcast agrees with anything we say. Please send complaints to this flippin' podcast at gmail.com. What kind of COVID cases do you guys have? Well, can you even talk about that kind of stuff? Like some school systems, you can't even talk about if you have COVID cases in your school. Um, like it's against, they're saying it's against the law because it's a, like a HIPAA. HIPAA thing. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to like actually read my school emails for that to matter. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty checked out on the year. I won't lie. Already. School, you've been in school a week. A month. Um, oh, you've, dude, already, you've already been in a month? Yeah, <laughs> my kids go back on uh, my kids get go back Monday or Tuesday, nice. Tuesday. Virginia's at least I think maybe all Virginia, at least Central Virginia. Uh, don't go. Yeah, we we've been going, but we'll go back the day after Labor Day. But I think next yeah, year, it's a lot of states. I know Michigan and Illinois are like that too. I mean that's it's all right. Yeah, I certainly um, I'm ready for my kids to go back to school, but they <laughs> won't be the only one. They won't be. But actually, our school system is interesting because they are the school board is meeting every two weeks to decide if they should go back to school. And, and, and then at that better than them not meeting. But then at that point, they are going to give them like a week or two weeks to go back to school. But not all students will go back to school because some people have opted out of going back, even if the school board decides to open schools because people don't agree with what they're doing to protect teacher, yeah, teachers and kids. We have like about a hundred kids across the corporation that are doing remote learning. So they're technically still registered in our school and stuff, yeah. but they're doing everything online. And you're doing some, you're doing some of that as well, right? Uh, yeah. I have to oversee all those kids now. Man. <laughs> so my roster went from like, <laughs> Uh, maximum 30 kids to roughly like 120 oh, kids. good times yeah it's awesome um we're not here to talk about that so i have to ask you tommy yeah i i have i think i have to take a break from the podcast okay i mean i just so i mean i we don't i know that our thing has always been and i'm recording this but i don't know that i'll use yeah. it but i mean we <laughs> you know we've always said like we can just do whatever we want it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter when we record. Like, obviously, we've taken long breaks and we've, you know, we've like lived our lives and shit happens. And sometimes it's not always a priority to record our yeah. conversations. So my feeling, though, is that I'm like, like, I still love pinball. Like I play I play every day. Um, you know, I get excited for new games and stuff, but I just don't feel like I have the drive and the excitement to talk about what's going on in the hobby. I get that. And I, and I feel like, I feel like you do. Like I really like, I, because Tommy and I are on a, like we we're in a chat group with a couple people and we're like, 
I, I will say like, I do have that group on mute because it's like just all, all it's like, it's nonstop. Like there were nights where I was like up at 2am and my phone was just like, bling, 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 bling. And I was like, oh man, I got to dial back. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like we, I feel like I know what's going on in your life and I feel like I can keep up with you, but I feel like, I feel like you have a lot of like really good stuff to share about pinball. And I, I would hope that you would continue to podcast I just don't think that I'm like the best partner for you. You know what I mean? Well, uh, you are my partner. Well, so I, I but I get it. You know I support mean? whatever you want to do. Uh, yeah, I, I share many of those sentiments. Yeah. I think the hobby has changed quite a bit since we started doing this. Yeah. Um, as far as the games go, much for the better. Because, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, largely what we'll talk about today, I'm sure, is Avengers and <laughs> at least I am very excited for that. I, I, can tell I am you. very excited about it as well. I am. I am. Yeah. Ready to start but I'd, up games. I'd say the the increase in popularity of pinball, much like like anything, yeah. you know, you like a, a band before they get signed to a major label or a if you're me, a pro wrestler who's wrestling on the indies before they get signed by WWE or AEW. Yeah. You're like part of something that's almost secret and it, it's awesome to share in that, that secret enjoyment. And now it's like by no means mainstream because I'll, I'll talk about something I noticed specifically with Avengers later in the episode. Uh, but compared to what pinball was when we started recording this, it has blown up. And with that, it's brought a lot of unpleasant humans is how I'll phrase it. And a lot of just not fun aspects to that side of the hobby uh, whereas like you and me could sit and talk pinball or you and me can go play in our collections or with our locals and things are still cool. Yeah. But yeah, by and large, it's a lot of douchebags. Like that's how I look at it. I mean, there were <laughs> definitely, I mean, I've been in the hobby. I, I've been in the hobby a little bit longer than you have. Is that right? Oh yeah. Quite a bit. Okay. I'm like, I'm on like year nine now. So there were definitely douchebags. There were definitely douchebags when I got in the hobby. Um, I th- and I, I'm sure there's people out there who think we're douchebags as well. There are, like, definitely, so it goes both there are ways. definitely people who can think we're douchebags. I, th- I think the big difference is just that, I mean, when I got into it, it took me like two years to even find RGP, which at that time was like, which is Rec Games Pinball, which is kind of pin side before it was pin side. Um, and then, and I'm not, and this is not a, against pin side because I do think that pin side is an amazing thing. It's just that the volume of pin side is so massive that it's just out of control. So as a person who I do use pin side, like I use pin side for my Reese rails and I do my donations and stuff like that. But, um, I think it's just a fact that like you see so many people, right? Like it's just the volume of post is so high overexposure, overexposure, but it's, but it's also like, if you, you know, it's a, it's that vocal minority. Like I do think like, if you go and you look at Pinside and you see like who a lot of times are the toxic um, members, a lot of, a lot of times those are the ones who are just posting incessantly. So, I mean, I know like I would, I would start a post and all of a sudden it would like derail into something where I'm like, uh, this is not helpful at all. I'm trying to figure out a problem and it goes down some weird rabbit hole. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird. I mean, I feel like I've, um, yeah, it's one of those things that's like really tough. I mean, I think a lot of it is like with Avengers coming out. I knew that you're really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think it looks amazing. Um, but I 
but it was also like, I just, I've been working on these landscaping projects at my house that have just been like kicking my ass. Right. So, and so it's like, I want to talk to, I want to talk to you, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, I'm so, I'm so wiped out. That's why I was like, let's do it like in the middle of the day on Sunday where I'm probably not wiped out, but I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning and prepped my yard for sod and laid sod by noon. So I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're such, I wish, I wish like 1992 <laughs> punk rock Taylor could meet 2020 Taylor and be like, Oh, you got to get your yard ready for sod. Awesome, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. I'm, I'm 48. You know, it's like, I, I think, I think like I'm 48, my kids, like I have a high schooler now, which is mind boggling. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think, I think part of, I, I don't know. I just think that pinball has become such a, it's a part of my life. Like it's a part of who I am, but it's not like, I don't have that passion like I did when you, and you have to have that. I mean, it's like to talk about it with out going off topic. I mean, I feel like our last episode, it was just like shitting on Trump people or, you know, <laughs> But I, <laughs> that's that's who we are, that's and that's we, you know, we did get I think like surprisingly more supportive messages about that episode oh, than like anything we've done in in a while. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, which kind of it totally interested me. That was like that's that's weird. But most people were just like, thanks for you know, you know, like we said when we recorded, like yeah, we're gonna talk about pinball. We will today too. Yeah. But like the reality is, there's just more important things going on in the world, and we took the time to address them. And uh, similarly to where some of the passion that you seem to have lost. Like I quit listening to pretty much every other pinball podcast because everything just became an echo chamber. Yeah. And I'm sure like, I'm sure people have released tons of episodes this week <clears throat> uh, over Avengers, which is, you know, I want to talk to you about Avengers because we're friends and I think we both really appreciate uh, the designs from Keith Allen yeah. specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So that makes me excited, but I'm sure we're going to echo what a lot of other people have probably said. And that's just the reality of what podcasts become. I've gotten really into pro wrestling podcasts and uh, true crime podcasts. And I've realized like specifically through the true crime ones, because most are dealing with past events yeah. like, Oh, this show is now covering the murder that this show did. And I'm like, I already know this story now and it's not as interesting. So there's just burnout at all sorts of levels of that. Uh, and that's part of, I think podcasting in our society in general. But I do, I, I will say like, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm right. I'm yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, I, if, if you're not down to do it, I, I don't know for sure that I'll continue. I may, I may not. But as always, if I do, you're always welcome back, man. Got to shoot the shit I, here and there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I really just want, I want you to, I want you to feel like if you want to, I feel like you have a lot more, you're, you, you have a lot more contacts than I do, like in the hobby. Like I really do feel like if, if you could reach out to people and, get interviews. I just don't feel like I'm in that world. I don't feel like I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, a lot of people that are really passionate about it that you could have on. Like, I think that that's one of the things like as, as a, having a co-host, that's always like a weird balance, right? Because it's like, you want to, it's like, you want to include, you want to bring people on, but at the same time, it's like, I just want to talk to you. You know, like, I feel like we kind of got out of the interview thing um, 
a while back where it was just like it's it's it almost became too difficult to try to hold interviews like with three people. So like we'll I'll do a one on one or you do a one on one. But that's the thing is like I think that you could reach out to somebody who is really into Avengers and get really you know really do a deep dive into it. That's where I'm like. Like, I want to play it. Like, it looks amazing. I want to buy one and put it in my lineup and this camp on it. But that's where I'm like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I get it. All right. All right. Enough of about me and more about <laughs> Keith Elwin. <laughs> yeah. So I had a, a whole idea for this episode oh, no. that uh, I, I was just going to bring up while we were doing it, like we usually do, since we don't do any sort of planning. Yeah. I did uh, roughly four minutes of prep work before we started recording here. So I, I put a lot of time and effort into this. Nice job. Um, <laughs> but one, like, we'll, we'll clearly, we'll discuss Avengers. We're both excited about yeah. it. We'll talk about what we're excited about on the title itself. Um, but I thought it was kind of a, uh, a good time to take a perspective look at this will be Keith Owen's third release. Yeah. And, uh, so far, we got Game of the Year, Game of the Year on Maiden and Jurassic Park, and just obviously off of appearances. And I, I did take the time less yesterday to listen to the Stern Insider podcast yep. and hear Keith discussing the rules to the game, which sound also amazing. It's likely that we're looking at a third potential Game of the Year for the pinball industry. And just based on <clears throat> sort of the buzz and talking to operators and collectors, it seems like everyone I know is ordering this game. Yeah. Um, and usually, like, I have a couple close-knit group of friends that all live very close to each other, and usually only one of them will get a game because they know they can all hang out and play it. And this time, it's like even that whole group, everyone wants to order one. It's just that impressive looking. So there's that. But what I thought we could potentially do <clears throat> would be to take a long look at or a brief look at some of pinball's greatest modern designers. And I think that list would include people like Steve Ritchie, Pat Lawler, John Borg, George Gomez, and probably controversially uh, Trudeau, who for all reasons, he's a terrible human being, but he did design some amazing machines at one point in time uh, and basically compared their first three releases to uh, Elwin's oh. as some sort of basically to give us perspective on like how amazing of a time period it is that we're living in and being graced with Maiden, Jurassic Park, and now most likely and potentially of Avengers, the Infinity Quest. All right. I thought that may be something a little bit interesting to look at. But for, for starters, what, looking at this game as it released this week, Taylor, got you excited to want to stand on it, camp on it, play it, and learn it? One, because I own Iron Maiden and I own Jurassic Park, and I know how good those games are. I know that the, I, I know that the game is going to have the depth that's going to keep me interested, right? Um, so, like, right there, I'm, I'm excited. Um, so, just by knowing that it's Keith's game, which says a lot, I think, is, um, has me really, really interested. Uh, now, I was really interested in Jurassic Park, but it took me a year before actually getting one in my house. Um, so, I'm not, like rushing to throw down money, but, um, you know, like the premium, yeah, I don't know, man. It's something about the, the premium looks great. The wire forms, the flow on the wire forms look incredible. Um, yeah, it just looks like it's a, it looks like it's a really fun shooter. And I have no doubt that the code is going to be phenomenal again. 
Yeah, that's <clears throat> it's it's amazing to say it, but the reality is, I know I've mentioned on the podcast before because somebody else quoted us on a website or a podcast that I basically said if Keith Ellen is releasing a game, I'd line up to buy it regardless of what the theme was. Yeah, because of how impressed I was with Maiden and Jurassic Park. Um, that I mean, absolutely rings true. I got word that it was going to be Avengers just shortly before it was formally announced and assumed it was going to take the Deadpool comic book route, which I thought was also a good idea to get away from the film assets while keeping something that is still familiar in pop culture. But just that reality of having Elwin associated with it, I trust that he's not going to make a game he doesn't want to play. And everything he's made so far was impressive enough to where I think today is September 6th, by the way, Sunday, Mm -hmm. and we recorded August 5th. So it's like two episodes within a month almost. That's pretty good for us. I know. But but, uh, I'm I'm bailing. I'm like, we're too consistent. Yeah, two two in a month. I'm done. I got to retire. Uh, uh, Shortly after we recorded that last one, I did reach out to uh, my distributor and basically said, like, I've heard the next game that's coming is Keith Elwins. If it's true, I want to put my deposit on it, you know. Without knowing for sure what it would be, when it would be out, I did that you know, roughly a month ago. And they didn't confirm or deny anything. They just said, if you want to put your deposit down, you know, send me this much here. So I took that as confirmation that, yeah, it's Elwin. Yeah. I didn't ask any other questions, but I didn't really care. I just had faith in what Elwin was designing. Uh, that being said, <clears throat> and I posted this to our Instagram, um, it, just that Captain Marvel ramp on the premium and limited edition version of the game. Like it has me so excited to hit that one shot on the play field that it like reignited some passion for pinball that had like dwelled a little bit during the coronavirus pandemic and the new form of life that we are all living in the United States to where it's like, yeah, I still play pinball. I still enjoy it. But a lot of times it just becomes like, repetitious for me like i'm playing so that i i stay in in pinball shape for like tournaments and leagues and stuff but i wasn't getting a ton of joy from it uh that being said i did try to do some stuff on drastic park after our last episode when you were telling me about how you'd gotten to those mini wizard modes i had to go focus and try that and you did i succeeded i got to the computer room wizard mode i still have not got to the the truck the t-rex wizard mode. you haven't gone to that whatever that one's called yes yeah, see you're way better you than you think me, taylor tell like me, yeah tell me, tell me i know um, so it is what it is but like i wrote this little thing and then i got liked a bunch of people some people shared it and it's just the reality like i literally look at that ramp and i felt like re-energized about pinball and then to listen to the stern insider podcast which is free after the first 72 hours so if you didn't know you can go and do that go join for your free insider account and then after 72 hours when they release a podcast you can listen to it but to hear <coughs> uh keith describe basically how they started to design that ramp it was really cool because although Keith is, I think he's he's actually an old dude like you. He's pretty old. Oh, man. <laughs> but not old. But you guys are a little older than me. But to hear like the excitement in his voice as like he just kind of randomly cobbled some parts that were on Jurassic Park to try to form this new ramp. Yeah. And then his mechanical engineer, whose name is evading me at the moment, uh, jumped, chimed in with like, dude, what are you doing? Like, give it to me. And like the, the way that they came up with that ramp, it's specifically itself hearing the story behind that was really cool. Um, so a lot of credit to them for doing that podcast, sharing a little bit of like the creative process. Uh, Nate did a great job hosting it and asking those questions. And it's just really fun to hear the design team talk about what went into this game and really how quickly it was produced 
because basically they were saying like they had their first Whitewood within like a month of Jurassic Park <clears throat> being released. Like they're moving that fast over there. Uh, it's really impressive. But that shot alone uh, said to me, like, I need to play this game. Now, sadly, it's not on the pro, yeah. which is what I think has convinced more people than I've ever heard talk about getting a premium, yeah. um, myself included. And that's been interesting as well. Uh, I'm very curious if this will kind of turn out like X-Men from you know, whatever that was seven or eight years ago now when that came out and very few pros of that game seem to exist because they released so many LEs back then. Uh, that'll be interesting as well. But yeah, for me looking at that ramp, I was just like, fuck, I want to shoot. Now, that. just to be clear, this is the ramp that does like basically the loop over twist, right? The looping twist ramp. Yeah. Right? It, it, it looks to me like it's defying gravity yeah. and having seen captain Marvel, uh, the film with Brie Larson, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, and looking at that ramp, it looked to me like the ball is traveling on the path a superhero would fly, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah, like sh- it's defying gravity. It's sending this ball in a new uncharted path that pinballs have not traveled before on a play field. And it looks fucking awesome. Like, that's, that's what got me pretty psyched about. I want to go. I want to literally step up to that game and I want to hit that shot. I want to know what it feels like. I want to hear the sound of the ball hitting the metal, traveling down the habit trail, dropping back into an end lane so I can try and do it again. Now, don't you, the fact that you know that you're going to, it's the fact that you feel like you know what the shot is going to feel like. Do you, do you get that because you own Elwin games? Cause I, I, but that, that's it. I don't know what it's going to feel like. I think I have like an idea but I don't know. But you, that's but, what intrigues me so right, much. Right, but, but you are putting it, like you were saying that you feel like it's going to be a satisfying shot. Oh, yeah, Dude, absolutely. But that's what I mean. Like, I think that that's like owning, owning Maiden. We both own Iron Maiden. We both own Jurassic Park. I think um, like playing Maiden and then going to Jurassic Park, those are, I'm trying to think, I think that those are my last two games that I've added to my collection other than like, firepower or something um right yeah probably so like playing playing jurassic park like some of those shots just do not seem like they should make it but it's so satisfying that they do it's almost you know what i mean like the yeah t-rex ramp now i have a i have a pro the t-rex ramp is like you can there's t- sometimes where it just makes the top of that ramp. And I'm like, I have no idea how the ball carried it up or hitting the left loop from the upper right flipper where you're like, Oh, that's not going around. And then you're like, how is it still going up the play field? And my, my <laughs> game is not shallow. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about the geometry on Jurassic park, even more so than maiden. I mean, I think that that's another thing is like seeing, his progression from Maiden to Jurassic Park makes me want to play and own his next title, which is yeah. which is Avengers. It's like seeing like his, his growth of being a designer just in his first two games is like, dude, okay, I trust you. I trust you that you're going to give me a solid game with solid rules that make sense, that aren't like, you know, convoluted or out of balance. 
I mean, it's just like, you know, that you're going to end up with something. I mean, it's kind of like, um, think about Lyman sheets rules, right? It's like, if Lyman is on a game, it was always like, you know, it, it'll get, it'll, there. it'll, it'll get it'll, there. It'll get yeah, there. It'll get there. And I think with Elwin, it's the same thing, but Elwin is like represents the entire package for me. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it's yeah. I, I fully agree. I don't think there's really any better way to express it than in Keith, we trust. But I mean, <clears throat> when we're talking about literally for us, you know, spending thousands of dollars on what is basically a toy. Um, and for me to not be worried about that weeks in advance of ever seeing anything or hearing any details about it yeah. to where I'm willing to commit financially to it is it's impressive because even when I knew what turtles was and I knew John Borg behind it, it was behind it. Who's somebody whose layouts I typically like. And I saw zombie 80s artwork on it. It was amazing. But because I've owned other Dwight Sullivan coded games, yeah. I was apprehensive about it and I didn't want to rush out to buy it. And, and Dwight has done some amazing things. Yeah. Like there's no doubt about that, but I've also had games of his that I didn't enjoy. So I wasn't willing to commit the money for something like turtles. Um, and then to see that I waited and this is what came next. Like, I'm really happy that I did that. So I have my money for it when it was there and ready and I can add it in to my collection, uh, that I'm all excited about. What do you think of the title Avengers verse one really surprising to have a new Avengers game out, right? Like that's a title that has been done in the modern Stern era. Yeah. I think 2013 was when the other one came yeah. out. Um, so you're looking at like seven years ago and it just like we started, as we talked about, <clears throat> as we started the show, think about how much pinball has changed in seven years. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you the last time I actually saw an Avengers machine anywhere. Oh, man. Um, I know I went to a minor league baseball game in Joliet, Illinois, mm -hmm. specifically because my friend owned an arcade right down the street, and he had an Avengers on location at the baseball stadium. I feel that was the last time I remember playing I, I it. Feel so like that's I feel like I saw one. I feel like I saw ago. one somewhere, and it had um, Hulk had its arms removed. Yeah, Hulk calls, caused a lot of ball jams, yeah. ball sticks on that game. So that's a typical repair. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it much. It, it wasn't super highly regarded. Um, it's based on the first film of a, what, there's four films in that series, I think, at least, that went on to become, what, the greatest earning film yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and that just culminated, what, was that last summer? Like, er, my time, everything in time is warped for me right now. I think it was last summer. I think that was, like... Yeah, so that's like a year ago, which is when this would have been starting to the design. And then they take <clears throat> what I assume is most likely the cheaper route by licensing the comics versus the film. And then you're not as expected either to have voice callouts from or likeness of the actors and actresses from the film series, which again saves you money while still tying into something that's very pop culture relevant. Uh, I imagine that's just really smart business decisions. And, and just personally speaking, if you look at the artwork on the two play fields, um, obviously when they use the likeness on the first game, it is what it is. You're getting like Photoshop clip art looking stuff. When you give an artist like Zombie Yeti access to decades worth of comic books and say, pick out what you want, oh, yeah. what area you want to use on the game and go to town. Like you end up with this game, but I just, I look at the play field, man, and the colors and just the palette that he chose. Yeah. It's stunning. I'm looking at it right now. I, 
yeah, I've so like self-confessed. I can't even tell you how many times I have watched the uh, premium LE features video on YouTube this week. Like probably twenty of them, twenty times. I watched it back at 0.25 speed the other day. <laughs> so I could really like, yeah. Cause I mean, realistically the ball it's moving fast and they're following a lot of the shot paths. Yeah. And when I slowed it down, I could watch and actually look at like the artwork as the ball is there and stuff. It was cool that YouTube had that feature. But uh, as I was talking to you before about how we're still like, even with a big title like this and everything seeming like pinball is so much bigger and busier than it was. I'm looking right now at YouTube and specifically Stern's channel and the Avengers Infinity Quest pinball game trailer has a whopping 14,000 views. The premium LE features has 12,000 views and the pro has 5,000 views. That's like a million views altogether. But it's not. <laughs> no, I know. Like, that's under <laughs> no, I know. Like, it's, I, like, like if so if you took <laughs> all of the all of the Stern videos right here. Yeah. Which let's be realistic, like I've watched all of them, so I'm at least one view on each of them. You're those. at least a thousand You're views. looking at roughly twenty thousand views for something that we have like this much excitement about. Like we are a tiny, tiny, tiny niche hobby. Like absolutely. Um it's just not it's not a big deal. People get, people get more views like squirting toothpaste up their butts. Like if you did it's, it on YouTube. It's sad, but true. So a million, a I million watched, views easily. AEW Wrestling had one of their big pay-per-views last night that I watched. Right? AEW, there American was West. All Elite Wrestling. What is it? <laughs> but there was a, a spot, a botched spot where some wrestlers went off of a scissor lift and were supposed to land on a table and they missed and hit the concrete. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, right? No. So that was 13 hours ago. And just like the first YouTube video that comes up of it, just a replay of the video, has 20 plus thousand views already. Uh, like, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, it's awful. I'm not. I'm so, not I'll wait. I'll wait. Don't watch it. It looks bad. They shouldn't have let the match continue. It was rough. That's crazy. But anyway, that's my point. It's like as pinball, like as much as it is a big part of our lives and anyone who's listening to this, you probably didn't just randomly stumble upon our podcast. It's probably a big part of your life. Like in the big scheme of things, we are like a tiny decimal point of like society. Like it's just really small and not that big of a deal. There are more people who believe in QAnon than give a shit about pinball. <laughs> there's, more, there's more members of QAnon. Come on, man, that shit's real. Wait, what? No. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. Um, let's talk Avengers. You've watched. Yes. You've watched. I watched the trailer. I did watch the trailer a couple of times, so I am a couple of those views. Um, let's let's go over the layout. Right. Let's do it. Um, Which one are we doing? Are we doing the pro or are we doing the LE? Or are we comparing the two? Let's do the, let's do the premium LE just because that's what everyone's actually, that's buying. what everybody's buying. <laughs> and I'm personally more interested in that because I do think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it's innovative as yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do it, man. I am looking at a picture of the premium play field. I am as well. Okay. So, so to start with, we technically have at least four, maybe five ramps, depending on how you want to look at it. Okay. That's, that's amazing. It depends on, in my mind, if you count the Avengers tower, very target slash magnet lock as ramp. I don't quite understand. So 
is that kind of like Baywatch where eventually the ball can pass through it? No. Okay. There is a magnet at the top. And basically you shoot the ball up that ramp and the magnet grabs it. Okay. I, I saw that, but there's nothing. It doesn't, but it can come out from behind. Oh no, it can't. It cannot. Nope. It Are goes to the sh- top and it gets dropped back down to that upper flipper. So what? like if I were to picture this, like, you know how the tower ramp on Jurassic Park is? Yes. That's basically the tower ramp. Instead of feeding into a wire form ramp, it just feeds to a magnet that catches the it ball. It just goes straight up and sticks. Straight up sticks, and then it gets dropped. Um, Keith did explain uh, on the Stern Insider podcast that there is some rules to that. There's a Hawkeye mode, specifically where you shoot that, and it's like the Hawkeye challenge. Uh, it will pulsate and release the ball and have a specific shot that you must hit within like anywhere from two to six seconds as part of the Hawkeye challenge for like some big hurry up points. Um, and as you advance through levels of that mode, it gets to where there's less shots lit and shorter amount of time that you have to hit it and stuff like that. But it's just, a, but it also serves as the locks for the Iron Man multi-ball. But it's just a virtual lock. It is a virtual lock. So the ball yes. is never goes up there and stays. Like it goes nope, up stays, there, magnet holds it. You have three it. green lights to the left of it. Those are your lock one, two, and three right. for the Iron Man multi ball. And then it drops that ball back down. Um, there is a up post below that, but above the upper flipper that could potentially stop the ball at times as well. I saw that on on one of the videos. It does that. It's it's yes, almost like it a does. setup shot for the. It seems like it's a setup shot for the Doctor Strange love or that. Um, that ramp that or that be, gauntlet ramp, yeah, which is yeah crazy. Like that's it is that yeah, that's a crazy shot. Um, so again, I, I don't know if you consider that a ramp or not. In my mind, I do. It's made of metal. It sends the ball vertical. I don't think that's a ramp. I think a ramp has to deliver a ball from one place to another. Fair enough. So there's debate. The Stern only considers there to be four ramps, I do believe. So you're probably right. You're on the Stern side. Did you know that? To me, yeah, go ahead. that's sending a ball vertical. It's a ramp. But yeah. Um, yeah, I w- like looking at the picture, There's it looks like there's a, um, there's a vertical up kicker behind that, but that's actually coming from an- another area. Yeah, that's the that's ramp right, that's at the back of the play That's field. like the right yep. orbit shot feeds into that ramp. Uh, the, right? the, yes, correct. You can plunge that ramp or you can shoot that ramp. And that one actually feeds to across the plate. Now, does that have an uplift ramp where that actually nope. feeds all the way? So that's. So if you shoot the left, the left orbit, which goes through that Hawk spinner, correct. The ball actually comes out through that pop bumper path on the captain America shot. Oh, Wow. Man, so that actually travels underneath that ramp and comes back at you that way. And that's the only well, that's the only orbit on the game, right? Uh, on the premium LE, correct. Well, because the right orbit sends it up that ramp right. and back to the to the right in lane. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I I don't know why I was thinking it was kind of like um, uh, yeah, I was thinking that there was a lift ramp back there so you could feed it all the way around. Maybe they could go in and do that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for anything extra on this game at this point. Um, so you go right up the middle, and uh, they did a really interesting job describing that center ramp because it was interesting. I was almost wondering if you'd listen to the Stern Insider podcast. No, I haven't yet. Because the way you described how the ball 
will frequently hit those ramps on Jurassic Park and you just don't quite understand how it continues to travel upward and around and complete the path. That's literally what they said George Gomez described when he saw this ramp on the game. It is the steepest ramp that Stern has ever built. It's at 43 degrees, which I thought was really interesting that they went into like as that many, that sort of detail about the ramp itself, actually. Um, And Gomez's comment when he first saw the Whitewood was like, why are we shooting at a wall at the back of the play field? Because the ramp looks like so vertical. And they were like, just trust us, it works. And which is, I think is really cool to see like, literally as a designer, Keith's pushing boundaries, taking ramps where they haven't gone before. Now what, so this is steeper than the Ghostbusters premium LE ramp. Yep, that's literally what they said. It's steeper than the Ghostbusters ramp. It's steeper than the Walking Dead ramp. And did they, well. did they mention the ridiculous air balls that people got off the Ghostbusters ramp? See, based on the one that I've played at Dan's, I haven't had air ball, air ball problems with the ramp right. so much as I have had with the two stand-up targets directly in front of the ramp. Yes, the stand-up targets are, yeah, but... But, yeah... They did not mention that. Um, it's hard to tell from photos. Maybe it has a plastic airball cover on yeah, it. Yeah, I don't see anything. That's why I was... I don't either. But uh, I'm just going to trust that it works. And as you were describing the ball paths on Jurassic Park, all I could think was like, this is literally what they were talking about on their show yesterday about how they made their path work. And I didn't even listen. So... You did? You were just able to pick it look up. Look at that. Um, so that that's cool, though. I like, you know, it's a similar return. It looks like similar positioning to where the Iron Maiden... Uh, center ramp is that shoots the ball into the target. Uh, this time it feeds to a wire form that returns the ball to the left in lane. Um, and I'm assuming that shot could potentially become repeatable as well. I don't know if that's officially the Black Widow ramp or not, but I suspect it may be. Wait, that ramp? Hold on. That ramp? Yep, so that ramp goes right up the middle. It feeds through the backboard of the play and that field. That goes to the left in lane? And- and that comes back to that wire form that feeds the left and okay, lane. Okay, I'm confused now because where on the the, r- the right the or- right orbit shot yeah. feeds to that ramp and it's on the lower wire form there and it comes back and it's the one that crosses the middle of the playfield and feeds the right in lane. Oh, got you. Oh. Yep, so they're basically stacked on top of oh, each other oh, there. Oh, okay. That corner so it's hard to discern where they separate exactly. Yeah, man, that looks so good. I mean, yeah, uh, like in multi-ball, like you're going to have balls just crisscrossing all over that play field. So following, good. like the beautiful wire forms and wire forms are just really pretty. They feel higher quality. They have like, that. I don't they worry have about that them sound cracking or breaking. That, like that. They like, do the metal the on metal, metal ball metal. traveling sound. Oh. Well, think about like in Jurassic park, the right ramp shot is, so satisfying because it's timed so well for that upper right flipper. Like it, it gives you enough time to, to like line up a shot, you know? And, it, oh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, like that sound where it's just like that, like scratching, like, Oh, it's so good. And I, I've been playing the crap out of Jurassic park. Um, I have over 2000, 2000 games played, um, on Jurassic park. Yeah. So, so like not even joking, my game that's been on location for a full year, yeah. it doesn't have that many plays. On it. <laughs> I played, I played that is, that is insane. <laughs> no one, no wonder you've seen the things giving me shit. Oh, you haven't got there. Yeah, man. I've played that game like a hundred times probably. Oh man. I, um, <laughs> so 
the other day I, I I am so envious of the fact that you have time to play 2000 games dude, no wonder you're tired I play a lot of pinball I mean that's a, oh, I mean man. I don't have time to podcast I'm trying to play Jurassic Park uh, yeah. I'm trying to get my money's worth man 50 I mean dude, you're getting your money's getting worth my man money's holy worth. shit but so I ca- I came downstairs and all of like my high scores had been reset or I played I played a game and I got like like because you crossed the the rescored the the yeah reset. and I hadn't gone in I hadn't gone into settings because I usually go into settings and I'll kill that or whatever so I just keep whatever and um and yeah I'm like dude what's up with that and so yeah I went into the um what's it called the operator thing the just the adjustments menu no no but know. what's it called the um you know where you go to see the uh, data the this, uh, audits the audits menu? so yeah, yeah i went into audits and i was like 2003 games so it reset <laughs> i was like that man that is absolute insanity man. yeah but good good for you i wonder uh, how many games i played on maiden i'm really i'm curious man all right that's insane i'm gonna i'm gonna go turn it on i'll be right back hold on one second okay <laughs> so while taylor does that i'm just gonna continue moving across the play field uh to where we hit the next ramp coming to the right which is the gauntlet ramp uh, which has a industry first bowed entrance. So the ball can essentially be hit in from any flipper on the game. And thanks to the curved design of the walls, will complete that gauntlet ramp. It has been described to me as similar to the, uh, the loop ramp on Doctor Who because it feeds instantly back to that upper flipper. And there seems to be some combo rewards in hitting that repeatedly. So that'll be very interesting to see how that works. Oh yeah. Oh, and it and it'll drop it above right to that uh, upper above flipper, yeah. the up post. Yeah. So and that's what I'm curious about too is like, does the up post always pop up to stop it, or is that only for specific things? So it'll be just interesting how that's integrated. That's one thing I think Keith has done really well and in interesting ways compared to other designers is he uses those up posts essentially as diverters to change the ball's path or uh, alter the timing of how the ball is moving. Um, And I think it's a much cheaper mechanism than actual diverters, which is one of the reasons I think he's been able to include so many features into his machines while still remaining sort of on budget as well. So that'll be interesting. Um, I'd say the only negative thing that people have widely discussed about this game is near that ramp in the sculpture of the infinity gauntlet. Um, which appears to, I've seen it compared several times to a kitchen glove. Uh, but the reality is, if you look at the comic books, that glove looks very much like the Infinity Gauntlet from the comic books. But as part of the Avengers uh, movie sequences from Marvel and Disney here, that gauntlet was heavily redesigned to look much more like armor. And that's kind of what people expect to see, even though the rest of the game would match the comic book style. So to me, it fits. I don't care. I'm sure that mod companies are going to invent mods for that, that we people out there custom painting them, et cetera. I couldn't give less of a shit about what the plastic glove sculpture looks like. Uh, I am way more excited about the design of the ramp right next to it that I'm going to be able to shoot from all three flippers. I, I agree. I also think that somebody's going to come out with a mod. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll be there. If you want to dump more money into the machine, you go right ahead. All right. So people so Iron, can iron maiden has, Total plays 5,814. Now, mind you... How often do you clean and wax these games, man? So I, I will say that the game was... Because I got it at uh, the Allentown show. It was So it had like 400 plays on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, try to pass off like, oh, but 8% of these plays came from a show I got it at. Um, yeah, so I've got, so my two Keith Owen games, I have around 8,000 plays on them. That's crazy. Which, so like, it is crazy because if you look at just Maiden, I mean, realistically, if you were playing that on location at dollar play, you have like literally gotten your money's worth. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm in, if I take nothing else from this episode, it's going to be that Taylor plays way more pinball than I realized. I, Holy shit. I, I play a lot of pinball. And let's like, let's be realistic here. Just so, you know, to remind listeners, these aren't the only two games in Taylor's collection. No. Taylor has like what? 12, 13 games. I have, I have, a, I have 11 games set up and I have one game in my shop. That's I'm so selling. Yeah. Wow. So that's just mind blowing. But I play, but but I play, um, Oh, I should, you know what? I should check the credits on attack from Mars because I'm trying to think like what game I have. I mean, with the older games, it's tough because I, I may have changed the ROMs or something, but I'm trying to think if I changed the, I don't think I've changed the ROMs on attack from Mars. Um, I can't even imagine how many games that has on it. Like I've owned that game for, I've owned my attack from Mars for 15 years. Wow. And just, just keep this in mind. If me and Taylor are both ever selling the same machine, but mine was on location, <laughs> it's going to have way less fucking plays than Taylor's. My, game, okay? okay. I will. T- You're going to get that home use only <laughs> price. And I'm going to lose like $500 because they were like, oh, I was in a bar for a year. I, I So I, I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but I hurt my shoulder in January. Yeah. We talked about you being old for yeah, sure. Yeah, So I hurt my shoulder in January. Thanks. I hurt my shoulder in January, and what I figured out was the way that I play, the way that I was playing Iron Maiden, I was playing it so physically, and like my tilt is my tilt is relatively tight, but I was playing it so physically that like I was hurting my shoulder. Like my game, yeah. So if yes, so I do want home use only price, but be aware that is is it has basically been played like a routed game, and. <laughs> <laughs> realistically though like joking aside you said you've got one game out there to sell like has it remotely crossed your mind to ever sell Maiden or Jurassic Park at this point no yeah, um, same here oh. no but it's I mean it's also I mean you know I'm not playing Maiden I'm playing Jurassic Park right now I'm not playing a ton of Maiden um, I think with Maiden I feel so I think what's what's difficult is with Maiden, even I mean, all my games, I hold on to my games for a really long time, and I think I'm at a point, I get to a point where I'm like, I am probably never going to have a better game than I've already had on this game. And Maiden, when I had, like, early on in owning Maiden, like, I got to um, the Battle of the Beast or whatever, like, a couple times, and then there was a code change, and I just, like, have never gotten nearly as close. And so I think yeah. I got really fr- I got a little frustrated with it because I was just like, man, what is it like? It wasn't that I wasn't making shots. It wasn't that I wasn't putting up scores. It was just like some some level of difficulty was ratcheted up to where it just made me plateau as a player. Um, so I kind of yeah. So that's like yeah. So I'm on Jurassic Park, um, and I'm getting to. I feel like I'm getting to that point as well. Um, but then I see like something like what Carl D'Angelo does with the Pteranodon score 
And I'm like, that's, what the? I, f- I still don't understand that damn move. I gotta like, I gotta figure that so, out. I gotta so Carl. basically, Pteranodon, you can stack like it carries over. So, and I believe it switch hits. I think it's switch hits. I don't know that it's spinner specifically, but I know that Carl said to shoot the spinner, which I would assume it's a switch hit thing. Yeah, plus if it gets a soft shot through there, it feeds to the pops for more switch hits, so it makes sense. Yeah, but honestly, like if you can hit if you can hit the spinner, like hit the spinner, solid, hit the uh, tower shot, ball comes down to the left flipper, let it um, hop past your right flipper, and then refeed the spinner. If you do that like four times on the first Tranodon, you are you have pretty solid base, right? And then there's also one of the paddocks, I believe, I believe there's a mode or there's a way to double, I want to say there's a probably way to double your Pteranodon score. And then if you have- Probably capturing one of the specific dinosaurs. Yeah, I, I want to say that, but I could be wrong. And then, um, you know, if like in your two times play field, and I mean, I've had a Pteranodon score of over 70 million, but I mean, that's not great, but it's like, I'm not great. So like seeing what Carl did, it was just like, that was mind boggling. But if you can dial it, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like looking at like breaking, breaking the game down like that is, is that's where I'm at with Jurassic park. I'm like, how, how do I, how do I want to play this efficiently? Like, how do I want to play it safely? Um, yeah, I'm like I'm at like a really sweet spot with it, but I feel like after I get through the sweet spot, I'm going to hit that plateau where it's like, you know, I get to um, visitor center like maybe once every ten games, and that's it, you know. But that's not bad. No, that's you're playing way better than I, I am, man. man. That game is so good. But how how great is the light show audio and video package for when visitor center starts? Visitor Center is pretty awesome. Um, like every time I do get to it, which hasn't been many, yeah. I just like stand there and I watch the whole thing. Oh, like, yeah. I don't want to skip through anything. I want to see all those points pile up on oh, the screen. Yeah. I want to watch the light go. It's amazing. I'm always I'm always depressed because I want more points. Like I'm like because when they start when they start uh, counting your paddocks, like so when they show the paddocks, they show the number and I think it's like two x and then it shows a value. And I'm always like, oh, at the when when I come out of this, I'm getting like four times that value they're showing, but that's not really what's happening. So then I'm like, ah, two hundred million, it's not bad, but um, I'm I'm also obsessed with getting perfect paddocks. Oh yeah, you have to get a perfect paddock. You can't, okay. dude. I just want to make sure that wasn't just no, me. But no, like no, no, I have, I love getting the no, perfect paddock. Like get, it feels so good. You have to get the perfect paddock. You cannot you cannot pass it through a paddock. You cannot start your next paddock. That's the big thing. Is like avoiding. Hoping, yeah, hoping you got to avoid that left ramp when you got somebody hanging out there yeah, on the tower yeah, shot. Yeah. Rescued. Um, yeah, getting perfect paddocks is awesome. So what the what? So this, here's my one complaint about Jurassic Park, and um, I know that Keith's going to be listening to this. No, I'm just, um, yeah, definitely. So when you get a super jackpot, oh, sorry, I just hit my mic. If you get a super jackpot on the T Rex feed T Rex event. You, yes. you should get a fossil for that. Like, why don't you get a fossil for doing that? And then the call out. So when you, you know, you know, so T-Rex event starts, feed T-Rex, you hit, you know, you start with your jackpot shots. You start on the left side so you can like build up the value. Um, I've done it. Like I've done it like every shot left or right. And then I've made my super jackpot shot. And it's like, 
not a lot of fanfare. Like, I feel like you should get, when, one, when Super Jackpot is qualified, the game should let you know. Like, it is not, it's just like, shoot the left ramp. You know, and then that woman who does a call out where it's just like, good job or something. <laughs> Great job. There's a call out in the game. I'm like, whenever I hear her, and she's just like, great job. And I'm like, you don't mean that. Like, you don't, you don't think I did great. Like, you're just, I don't know. You're just, you're just a paid voice. Yeah. Actor. Those are, those are like, yeah. those are the two things at Jurassic Park. I kind of like the call out. I will say I love the, um, I love, um, hello. What, what's a DNA guy? What's a call out? Mr. DNA. Yeah. What, what's a call out? Dude, I don't know, man. You, I can't hear my mind's on location. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, um, Mr. DNA. That's always great. Like I'm trying to get, that's the other thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out how to get all the combos because I think if you get seven combos, you get an extra ball. Ah. Yeah. So you, I think it's, I think it's seven combos. It might be less, but I think it's seven. Um, so, and that's just one of those very similar to the tomb awards on maiden. Keith does this great job of putting like these little extra hidden challenges in there. Yeah. Not even hidden. Oh. Just these little challenges that'll allow you to progress further and see more of the game. So you're always kind of working towards something. And when I look at this Avengers layout, I can only imagine like what those are going to be. I know he referenced uh, specifically, like there's awards for hitting X amount of combos in this game. Uh, he already mentioned that like, it's part of like how you unlock your awards is your combo, like your total combos. So that's cool. that That's going to be in there too. That's um, I think about it. Have you ever gotten the uh, combo multi-ball on Spider-Man? Nope. So I, I think I got it one time and at some point you hit a certain amount of combos and it just starts a multi-ball and it's not like, I don't think it's anywhere like on the, you know, it's not on the play field or anything like that. I don't think they really talk about it in the game, but it's like one of those things where it's, I don't know, I was talking combos, but the combos on, so like combos on Maiden, you know, it's like, you've got your six way, six way combo. I think it's six way. And you get your tomb award. On Jurassic Park, there's a symbol similar. You get I can't remember how many combo shots it is. It's like seven, and you get a uh, fossil. But I, for the life of me, cannot get that. I cannot do that. So that's something that I'm completely stumped on. Um, Jurassic Park, like it's like the ball is moving too fast for me to even go. Okay, what have I not hit? You know what I mean? Like where you're like, you've got oh, to yeah. really line it up. Um, I think that this Avengers, I think the flow on Avengers, and one of the reasons I, I was really excited about seeing the premium is like, I mean, even like now you're deciphering it for me. The flow is going to be really good. It, it looks like you can hit an infinite number of combos on this game if you have amazing accuracy because your right orbit feeds your right flipper, which you can send up to the center ramp, which feeds your left flipper, which can hit the gauntlet ramp, which feeds your upper flipper, which can hit the loop, which hits back to your right flipper. And it looks like you can just go around and around with combos on here, um, which is amazing. Everything is pretty f pushed back on the game, right? I mean, is that, is that That's, just me? I did hear one operator state like he thinks it looks bad, but he's a, a I'd call a like full time odds. What he does, he operates games 
And he looked at it, and that was exactly what he said, that all the shots and targets that you need to hit seem to be way back on the play field. Yeah. And he doesn't think that appeals to casual players. That's tough. Um, and that, like, his Stranger Things is his best earning game by, like, almost twice over whatever else he has out there. And after that, it's Beatles. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I found that very interesting. But that's, again, I fully take his word for it. That's what this person does. Whereas I look at this still, although I have games on location, very much a passion hobby of what do I want to own and what I want it if I one day had the space in my house to have in my house. And Avengers hits all that for me. But I still think it would earn really well. I don't know. But I do also understand, like, having made an in Jurassic Park on location, what seemed like relatively not simple, but like games we can comprehend and then we still get the depth from can absolutely be like really difficult to explain to someone. You have to spell Eddie on Maiden without seeing it on the play field anywhere and yeah. map on Jurassic Park just to start your modes. So there's those things like that too. I, um, I, I get like my family when they, when they've played it, they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Which I tell them to hit the is, Jeep. I tell them to hit the Jeep and then hit the left ramp, you know, hopefully yeah. like, you know, and then it's like you have to hit the left ramp again before you lose your balls to start the multi-ball. Um, I, I I do think that I the knock I would the knock I would have on on both those games. I think the knock I have on a lot of modern Stern games is it's it doesn't really give you a lot of information on the play field to know yeah, to I'd know how to play they, if you're not really dialed in on rules. I'd agree, but I'd say Jersey Jack is just as bad about that, uh, if not worse. Like their stuff's insanely complex to me still. Um, but that's part of modern pinball. I mean, they say that dates back to really Twilight Zone, where things kind of jumped the shark on as far as complexity went. I mean, think about Twilight Zone now, though. Rule wise, doesn't it seem like it, oh, today it seems like simple, so simple. Yeah. It's like EM. But Adam's Family was also like amazingly advanced when it came out, and like realistically now, Adam's Family is like. Ramp, scoop, repeat. Yeah. Ramp, scoop, repeat. Tour the mansion. Um, what's your, what's your, yeah. How do you, what do you do? What's your strategy for this game? Oh, I just tore the mansion. Like, yeah. But don't I just go to the wizard mode as soon as I but can? But don't you think that that is also with so much competitive pinball? Like games are played differently. Games are played differently. We have more instruction thanks to all the tutorial videos out there and all the people who stream now. Like literally, if we went and just opened up Twitch right now, someone is streaming pinball. Yeah. Like that was not the case a couple years ago. Like when you and I started streaming, we were still one of like the first people to do no. it. I mean, Deadflip was like the big one out there, and then Buffalo, and then we were streaming, and there wasn't a ton of other people. OG man, OG said we like barely ever did, I, it, but we tried. I did. I streamed not that long ago. Yeah, and again, I enjoy it when I, I do it, but it does well. actually take like passion and dedication to those that do it on a regular basis. Dude, I give them a lot of credit. Buffalo pinball, those guys. I mean, oh yeah. Jack literally streams like every day. Uh, now, now here's the one thing I'm going to say is that Jack does stream every day, but that's his job, right? I mean, he's a, he's a professional pinball person. It It is now, yes. but he was doing it when it wasn't his job till he was able to like make it his job. Like he took something he loved doing yeah, and yeah. was able to make a career out of and, it, which is awesome. And I'm not, and I'm not taking, I'm not taking away anything. I'm just saying like, like I look at like the Buffalo pinball because I mean, we're, you know, we're friends with them. I've known, you know, I feel like I've known Kevin for years, especially, but, um, I, yeah, when they, yeah, the amount of time that it takes to do what they're doing while also 
having other things going on, like a full-time job and stuff like that, that is not pinball related is like, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, I like kudos to those guys and they've been doing it forever. Um, Oh yeah. They, they started streaming like basically when we started podcasting Yeah, and eventually they got into podcasting too. So I think they just hit their 50th episode recently. So congrats to them on that. Um, they streamed uh, Nick Baldrige's game for Multimorphic. Ranger in the Ruins. Yeah. I was literally watching that when I texted you to make sure we were still recording at four. Um, I played I played that game. I think that's the same game I played at Nick's house. I mean, probably. It's, He's been working on it for like two months. So I don't know when you were last no, there. No, 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 no. You played his Quest for Glory. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I that need to one see the is, new one. I, I, so, yes. Yeah, so, Quest for Glory is a licensed game that he doesn't actually have a license for, so it's technically homebrew, and he just has it as house that he built. Oh, okay. Rangers in the Ruins is a real is game. A, a, it's a real game that he has developed for the P3 platform that is a roguelike game where you can set it anywhere from one to nine balls. Depending on how many balls you set it to, it impacts the scoring. But the idea is, like, you're essentially running through ruins, collecting items, and making your character stronger so you can get further the next time you play. It's totally inventive, yeah. something that's really popular in video games but hasn't been done in a pinball machine. And he developed it in, I think he said, 72 days from start to finish before it was released with the launch on Friday night of Kevin from Buffalo streaming it yeah. and it being available to buy for like 150 bucks on P3's website, so which is amazing. Nick is, Nick is easily the smartest person I know that I can say I'd know in the hobby. He, yeah, he, he I is, find that easy to believe. He is, a, he is amazing. He is. Yeah. An he's amazing. An asset amazing to dude. the community. Yeah. And he's, if, if he wants, which I have no idea what he actually wants, like if he wants full-time employment somewhere in the pinball industry, I think he could find it quite easily. Oh man. That's my guess. Yeah. I think, yeah. But it might interfere with all like the cool, fun projects that he likes to do. So who knows if he'll ever actually do that? He's he's a, he's an amazing person. I have to. I mean, that's. I think that's one of the things that's like. I guess it's bittersweet about the podcasting thing, or like I don't know. I mean, I'm not dying. I'm just you know whatever. <laughs> but it's, but it's like through through podcasting and not necessarily Nick because I you know Nick is local to me, but I've met like so many amazing people, like friends, like people I call friends through the podcast just because it's like, I don't know if there's like an ease of going up to somebody because you hear them, hear their voice. So you like, feel like you know them, or I will just go up to anybody and say hello at shows and talk to them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I uh-huh. feel like I give, I give credit part of it to being on a podcast, but I don't know why I would do that. I think you're just a friendly person, whereas like I'm not going to go up to talk to anybody. So <laughs> now, if you come and talk to me, I'll absolutely talk to you. Oh yeah, it's just not my personality. I'm not very outgoing. People are always like, person. "Where's Tommy?" I'm like, "Well, one Pinberg." People are like, "Dude, where's Tommy? Are you hanging out?" I'm like, "I have not seen him." I was like, "I haven't seen him the entire." I was like, I, I, or, and then yeah, I can't. It was just like I don't know where. Well, he see, went. this is why now that I realize you put like five thousand plays on a game. <laughs> Like by the time you get to the show, you're ready to socialize. Whereas like I get to a show and I'm kind of like, oh my god, thank God I'm not at work for 80 hours this oh, weekend. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. play pinball. Yeah, exa- yeah. exactly. I want to socialize. Like I want to hang out. But, and, like, but that's what's great about those shows, dollars. which I'm looking very forward to in 2021. Dude, is hopefully we have shows again and we can do our thing. Um, 
you know, <laughs> looking it, back at Avengers. Oh, yes. oh sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go, no, no, no. go. No, we don't stay on track. It's not, it's not, we our are thing. on track. We've talked more pinball this show than we have like the last four shows combined. That's probably true. Hey, fuck Trump, oh. go out and vote and, um, don't vote twice. Oh. If you live in North Carolina, I did, I did hear a, a, a thing that I think is, it's like somewhat political, but somewhat just like smart and common sense. Okay. Wear a mask. Like, well, yeah, that too. But uh, pertain, pertaining specifically to the election, obviously absentee voting and voting by mail is, you know, being encouraged slash discouraged depending on where you live. Yeah. But the reality is like the post offices are going to be really busy. Yeah. So like for those of us that do a lot of shopping online, say like, I don't know, through Amazon or whatever else, yeah. maybe like for the month of October, just like don't order shit online. Like make sure the postal service is able to like successfully and tie in a timely manner, transport ballots and have them delivered. So your vote counts. Uh, that I think is a, a relatively smart idea. So like if you order shit all the time online, like get all that shit done this month. So like when October comes, you don't have to order shit okay. online. First of all, that is stupid bullshit because <laughs> think about Christmas time. Think about if, if think about all the people who send Christmas cards and Christmas gifts and all those people can get that crap by Christmas. What you need to do is you need to vote. If, when you get your ballot in the mail, fill it out. If you're undecided at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you. Fill out your ballot and put it back in the mail. You will get a confirmation that your vote was received. Or if you don't like that because you don't like the mail, you can take it to a registrar's office and drop it off. In Virginia, where I live, you can start turning in ballots as of September 18th. So in 10 days, you can start turning in ballots. But And for those of us that are good at math, it's 12 days, so... Oh, did I say 10 days? Oh, sorry. I was thinking like my kid's school starts on the 8th. But here's the thing. Okay, Christmas, Christmas cards, Christmas gifts. You cannot tell me that the post office cannot deliver ballots. The amount of people who hey, vote in the United States is pathetic. The actual percentage I, of I voters. Agree. Can we get back to Avengers, Tommy? You are totally throwing up. Okay, so, sorry. so let's talk. So we've got the gauntlet ramp. Which we've already discussed the Captain Marvel ramp. Sorry about that ramp. Uh, and then, yeah, it what threw me off is in the video and uh, on the Stern Matrix they call it the lower left ramp, but it's actually that ramp that's off the right orbit shot. So I don't know what you would technically call that, but that is your fourth ramp on the game, right? Um, which is the Black Panther shot is the right orbit. You shoot that, it feeds that ramp, follows the wire form. And travels all the way back down to the right in lane. Um, some cool stuff that I, I was able to pick up on listening to the Stern podcast yesterday. Um, so if you spell iron, which is on the in lane out lanes, that's what lights your Iron Man locks at the tower shot. Yeah, I really need to buy this game. You do. But here's something interesting, Taylor. How would you suspect that you spell iron? I would suspect that you spell it by eating all of your spinach. No, I would, oh. I would, um, um, how would you spell iron? Yeah. Um, like it, it's across the in lanes. It's your in lane out lanes, right? So you got I R O N. So normally I would say you would cycle that with your flippers and then it's like a, there you go. That's what I wanted you to say. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I would have thought too. That's not how you do it. You do it by basically. Keith said that's just too easy, and he hates having those lane change features uh, for the for the end lanes like that. Okay. So I actually have to change it by using the spinner. 
that's what'll move what's lit and what's not lit on your iron. Oh. So it's really going to take some thoughts where like, oh shit, I already spelled the R and the O, so I've got to move the lights off of so those. I have to hit the spinner. You're going to have to hit the spinner and then hope it lands in the right spot. And if it does, then shoot one of the ramps to complete the letter you need. See, right um, there. It's just a really unique change that I think is awesome. Where's the spinner? The left orbit, or it might have been the Doctor Strange spinning disc. I can't remember which it is. I think it's the spinner, though. The left left orbit, the Hulk shot. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I can't remember if it's that spinner specifically or if it's the Doctor Strange spinning disc, but one of those will be what rotates your letters in iron. Um, I thought that was a very intriguing feature. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, right? Like, but see, that's also something that if you walked up and you were and you didn't know that, I wonder if how obvious that is. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing it's probably going to be included somewhere in the display. Yeah, I found I was I was playing um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yesterday with a friend when I dropped a game off to him and it really did help just to be kind of like casually hanging out with another human for one. Yeah. But while we were playing, one of us was looking at the screen and kind of relaying that info to another person, uh, to the other person. So they had a better idea of what they were shooting and what its value was. Yeah. Cause the turtles, the code's still pretty confusing on there to me. Um, but that really helped. And that's one of those things like it's hard to remember because, and personally I don't look up at the screen a ton while I play. No. Um, but when you are playing with others, that's uh, there's there was a lot more information about what to shoot and why you were shooting it than I thought, than I was used to seeing on Turtles when I'm watching the screen for him. So I imagine some of that information is conveyed that way on games like Maiden in Jurassic Park. I just never see it because I'm not looking. Yeah. But hopefully uh, with that in mind, I'll try to take the time to do that on Avengers. So, um, so going back to that, so to spell iron, you have to obviously hit the spinner. But to, yep. to get the I and the N, you have you would have to go through the out lanes. Well, no, because you'll so like you, say you land in the right in lane, so you've collected your O. Okay, right. Yes. Now you shoot the spinner, and that lit insert moves. Oh, so it, it'll move over to the end. So the spinner is moving what you've completed. Got you. Okay. 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 So okay. you're essentially hitting a shot. Like if you completed the R and the O, yeah. you know now you have the out lanes that are lit or unlit but you have to hit something else to get them to be back to the O and the R. So you hit a shot to complete it versus like, Hey, if you do drain out an out lane and it was unlit, you collected that letter. So but, are there, are there multiple modes per like, so Iron Man multi-ball, if you, yes. like if you start Iron Man multi-ball a second time, is it like a different story or is it just the same multi-ball or, you know what I mean? It sounded like there's different levels to okay. it. Yes. Cause I could That's see that. Like, um, if they have like, um, the color changing LEDs in there, like you could do different. I mean, that just seems like a key thing where you have like different levels of like, so the first time you spell iron, now I'm just making shit up. Don't look in the <laughs> matrix for this. But if you, um, yeah, like say the first time it's like iron. So it's like, uh, you know, it just is like a normal insert. And then the next time it's red, you don't know, like you progress through the suits. So that's it, there, it, why, it, why am I not hired by Stern? To to do know. to tweak to tweak Keith's code. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what they need. Um, <laughs> they, I do strongly recommend for you as well as everyone else out there to check out that podcast. 
and hear the the exact way things are working from Keith. Yes. Uh, to get a better understanding. Can we just play but that? Can we just add that? I'll just put it, that entire podcast at the end of our podcast. It's like 45 minutes. It made my drive go very fast yesterday. You think I'd get in trouble for uh, that? I'd probably get something. I'd get I don't trouble. know. Probably. Okay. We'll see. We'll, put a, we'll anyway, put a link to it on our Facebook page. It's there. If you are interested in rule sets, it's the way to go. Minus like once this starts streaming, we'll have a better idea of it or when we get our games. Um, the spinning Doctor Strange disc. Yes. Uh, are you a fan of that mechanism? I am a fan of that mechanism. I mean, I don't think it's bad. I think that like that spinner, I mean, it's similar to... Um, I mean, there's a lot of games that have it. I had it, you know, my safe cracker had it. Um, yeah, that had it. To, tell from the Arabian Nights, similar, but like, you know, EM game, like there are a bunch of games who have that feature. Um, I mean, I think it's cool. I, you know, the fact that it could end up, it doesn't really block a shot. I guess there's a target behind it that that post could block. Um, yeah, it could. It could block your, it could block your Captain America shot. Yeah. It could. Yeah, it can definitely impact shots, but I think I think of that similar to the way the truck works on T Rex. Yeah, to where it makes you strategically shoot that to clear away for certain shots at times. I do I do worry about so you know it lifts up kind of similar. It almost I, at first when I saw it lift up, I thought it was going to be like the uh, boom balloon on Cirque Voltaire. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I saw it, it was more like the um, the, uh, the Cirque, the Cirque Voltaire guy. Riddler, whatever he is. Ringmaster. The Ringmaster, the, yeah. the most annoying. Fuck, God, that is such an annoying mech. Um, when I saw that, you know, it's going to get, I, I worry that it's going to get beat up. Um, hopefully, like, somebody will do a cliffy for it or something. I know, like, that. Well, that if, if you look, so if you're looking at a picture of that premium. Yeah. The black that's outlining that is actually a built-in cliff. Oh, look at that. L- yeah, it appears it honestly appears to be a plastic material, which yes. I think is kind of smart, but it's got screws in there, so it's easy to take uh, out and replace. Okay. Cause when that's I it, that's what it seems to be if you compare it to the pro, the pro has artwork. See, there, I, I felt like I saw a picture from the side and it looked like there was like exposed wood in there, but I guess there is like that little I mean it's not yeah, a black it's not area. a cliffy because oh. a cliffy is a trademark thing because Cliffernier has saved all of our machines and yeah, and actually even on the even on the pro there does appear to have that wooden uh, or that plastic sort of cliffy in there. Okay, well there you go. So it's got that. Yeah, I, I still it's still it's another mech that's you know whenever there's a mech there's the potential for breakage. How about so I get that? How about this? How about how many times does it take to bash the rod that's holding that mech to where it doesn't go down correctly? Mm, yeah, that intrigued me. Uh, the disc itself, just those posts, like, I don't know when I look at that, I'm like, Oh man, shooting a post, that post is going to break eventually, but it's whatever. It's going to be fun until it breaks. I'm going to break. You fix it. Now, what do you think is going to break on it? Excuse me. Uh, just the post itself, I guess, because it's not, it's like, I, I just had a post break on iron maiden. Okay. That's just in the play field just cause it gets shot. It's the one just to the right of the center ramp on that game, just cause it gets hit when you miss that shot a lot and it gets hit from the upper flipper and it literally the metal post just snapped. So like, that's what I picture oh, here, okay. but that post doesn't have any give. Whereas like this post is meant to be hit. So all that force gets directed into a spin when you hit yeah. it. So it's probably not likely to break. So it's just my mind trying to grasp that concept. No, I hear you. Um, what is really interesting is they explained a little bit of obviously that spins. It spells strange. 
And then uh, when it does actually lift up and allow you to shoot a ball into there for the portal lock, um, that is actually a way to make some of the modes in the game that would be a standard one ball mode, actually a multi-ball mode. And you can lock up to two or three balls and that multiplies the scoring for that mode then. So like the way my mind worked was just like strategy. Yeah. Like, Oh man. So instead of just going in and starting a mode now, I've got to make sure I open up my portal and lock a ball so I can make it a multiplied mode. And it just made me want to play it more. But I thought that was really ingenious. Um, And Keith basically talking about like how he talked Gary into including all the stuff in the game is he's using a lot of features. Keith's a big fan of Stern electronics, like the early solid state Stern games. And he's got the bingo card with the drop targets, which comes from like, big game specifically but also free fall um catacomb and i think he listed another stern game but that was one of the ways he got to like you know excitement about that's going to be included on all the models that's how he's able to get drop targets on a pro and then the actual portal mechanism is really similar to the flight 2k and free fall ball locking mechanism and it's actually really similar to the bally mad world one wait, too, where it's wait, sort of like a lap wait wait what which one the subway locking mechanism. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, so he's he's including things that have you know they've been done before, but not for a very long time, and he obviously uses them in new and unique ways. Um, it just it just makes me so excited, man. Let's talk about the drop like, targets. Um, drop targets. I'm looking right at. Them. Okay, so exactly how does this work? How does this work? Um, so it's. A combination of The Walking Dead. So, like, okay. the targets will be moving, right? Or the inserts will be flashing, right? Yeah. I believe on a timed pattern okay. of some sort. Yep. And then, say you drop the top drop target. It's going to lock in whichever inserts lit on that row. Yep. Oh. And you're going to get that award, right? Once you complete all three drop targets. So whichever one you hit first, that locks in that award. Boom. Now, what he said is integrated. Actually, I got this from a, a Facebook post directly from Keith in that when you complete a bingo, right? So three in a row or three up and down or three across, yeah, whatever. Yeah. There's other awards for that. And those are not on the play field, but they're actually on the display. And that includes there's modes that are tied into the bingo card specifically. Yeah. Uh, as well as some other things. I think he said there's like six or seven modes just from the bingo card. What? Yes. So you have modes there. You have modes that go with your Doctor Strange. And then your wizard modes, which are, I think, there in the center of the play field. Um, that's not a good enough picture to read the inserts. Trying to find a detailed one. So this is what uh, what I want Stern to do next. So yeah, yeah. Soul Gem and Black Order are wizard modes that come from collecting all your Avengers, which are basically the shots spread across the whole play field, which makes you shoot everything, which is something that I love in a game. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What do you want Stern to do next? I want Stern to integrate a display in the, um, the apron that is specific to the apron. So I want it to like give you like, so that bingo thing, like I want that uh-huh. to show up. So I'm looking down at the play field and I can see like what my bingo would be, like what the awards are. So, so separate from 
the main back box separate, separate from the main back box because I like which is something that I think we know they can do because they've done it with Batman and WrestleMania. They've had separate displays integrated to the play field. Yes. So it couldn't possibly be that hard to move it and integrate it to the apron. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I think that that would help with this idea of uh, rule confusion or rule overload. Like if you walked up and somebody, I mean, if you watch a newbie go up to a pinball machine, the first thing they do is they look down at the apron, right? Or they look down like where the flippers are. And if there was a video screen right there that's like telling you, something right like i don't i don't know i just think that it's i think it's time with the depth that these games have there's got to be a way to convey more information even if like i mean because another thing is like so you've got the rule card why not have the rule card now be a digital rule card so it has more information than is just going to be printed by the manufacturer when it before it gets delivered right I mean, like, do you, yeah. do you look at rule cards almost at all on modern games, or do you go into them? No. Right, so you don't. But if you went, if you look down and it like tells you, like, I don't know, it just it's just another way to like. I just think that the rules, the rules are really in depth, which is great. Um, I appreciate the depth as a person who will put two thousand games on a machine at my home, but I'm also that's seriously still my blowing my mind right now, <laughs> like. I need to tell Alyssa just <laughs> fucking leave me alone yeah. when I come home. I got to play 100 games a day. I for the next couple weeks I, to catch up to Taylor. I play. I okay. Well, I, okay. See, see how that goes. Um, try to <laughs> try that. But yeah, I mean, I think that I think that's a thing. Is instead of instead of doing a rules card, have a digital display. I mean, they cost like 25 bucks if you buy them in bulk. Um, and if you're stern, that means you can charge an extra thousand dollars. Yeah. Put, I mean, That's like that on, a, on a premium, on a premium or LE, have a digital display. That'd be great. And then when you update the code, if the rules change because they do, then boom, it's like it's right there. Or you could even have like um, you could have it like like look at like uh, Scott Denise's games. He's got a timer on the play field like you could have a timer there or something like that. You know, I mean. There's a ton of things you could do. It's like, why not? The apron is a space on the play field that is used for telling you what the game is. You already know that. It's telling you rules, which you probably aren't going to look at. And then it's telling you the cost of the game. Put two displays down there. You know, So when you walk up and it's telling you how much to put in the coin door, once you do that, it is now an integrated part of the system. I mean, it's it's smart. Thank you. I just worry about what that cost is going to jump to. Fifty dollars a game. Yeah, that's you're you're dreaming, bud. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, people have created them for their own. They have. I know Rob Zombie had one as an official mod, but it was like a three to four hundred dollar mod. Um, uh, Wizard of Oz people were making them, but what people were doing is people were taking the screen, the display, yeah. and putting it on the the apron. But I just don't see why you couldn't take take some of the information that you have on the screen, but then at other times you could have specific information to where the player is in the game. If anybody wants to take that idea, that's cool. Give me royalties and then call it square. Ooh, uh so one thing I just I noticed looking at this playfield picture again. Yeah. 
and you you probably know this having played literally thousands of games on Jurassic Park yep. and Iron Maiden. But on the lower right side, there's a flasher dome. And on Adventures, it appears to be yellow. Yep. On Maiden, I think it's blue. Jurassic Park, it's red. Yep. Did you know that if that's flashing, it means you currently have a combo running? Yes. Okay. That's a, a Keith staple that I think has been integrated. I literally learned that like within the last few months. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. On, yeah, um, I was unaware of that. On Maiden. Yeah, because on Maiden, that's one of the important things. Is like, So the, the one thing that I'm not sure about Jurassic Park, because it seems very different than Maiden, the way that the combos count on Maiden is... It is a, it's considered a combo as long as you have not hit that shot before. So it's not necessarily like you have to, it's not necessarily a time combo. It's just, yeah, it's not time. Yeah. It's just a, it's just different shots. It's just a different shot. So, so you have to essentially do them in a certain order though. Right. To enable like that. Yeah. I think that's how Jurassic Park works as well. I don't think it, I I don't think it does because I feel like I've hit, I've hit like three consecutive shots that are all new shots and I haven't gone like a three times combo and then I'll hit two shots. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like it counts at the same. And may, that's one of the things that's confusing me as to how to get a seven way combo or whatever it is. If you don't have the consecutive shot thing, like, I don't know if it's a specific combo or I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm resetting it. I don't know. But like on Maiden, I'm, I'm not certain either. Yeah. On Maiden, I have, I, like got that I'll get that combo all the time the six way or whatever not all the time but you know one out of three games I made up I made that up um <laughs> I have also still never gotten that really Tom. yeah man so you I mean but you have been on the stage of Pinburg in the finals I uh, apparently I got real dumb lucky one time yeah man dude shut up you're so good man um <laughs> All right, so yeah, the uh, the bingo card super cool. I I love the fact that we have a subway in the game. Um, the fact that yeah. you can see the balls locked, you know, the the balls under the play field, I think is awesome. Um, and they and they did explain on the the pro play field, even though it doesn't have the subway there, it still has the clear window to look into it as if it was a subway. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to see from the pictures on the pro, but instead of just leaving like a clear window, they actually installed plastics underneath the inserts. So apparently they have like this cool 3d effect and they're lit with RGB lights and they still have like virtual locks for that essential, uh, increasing like the modes to multi-ball modes. So it's totally still possible to use that aspect of the game on the pro, uh, just in a virtual way, which is probably again, great for location as it's less mechanical failure. Uh, and you still get that integrated rule aspect into the code. Can you lock eight balls into the into the subway? No, okay. I believe it's just three. Okay. Because I think it's only a six-ball game, so yeah. But I understand what you're saying about the windows. I think one window has the actual physical arm that holds the ball. Okay. If you're able to like look in detail, and the second window is where you'll be able to see the ball. But you can see the ball travel through and by all yep. the windows. Correct. And so it just settles into the one and two. Yeah, I didn't know because like one of the inserts is blue and one is red. So I didn't know if it was like once you locked a certain amount of balls there, something would happen. And then 
Yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll have to uh, find out when we play it, but I do think it shows a three ball lock, physical ball lock, essentially. So that's okay. So here's the other thing. So um make it a nine ball game. Make it an no, lock the shit out of those make balls. it an eight ball game. And then when you're in the wizard mode, you have to lock all the balls under the play field by doing whatever. And then that is like and then the the game shuts down like Twilight Zone and it fires back up and all those games come out, all the balls come out, and that is your wizard mode. And then it's you battling Thanos to save the world. <laughs> to rip his glove off his hand. That's So that's, oh, there you again. Sorry, I listened to all this shit. And again, this is secondhand. If you want the detailed rules, go to the Stern podcast. Sorry. But that's part of the whole uh, wizard mode. So you're trying to collect the gems as you play through the game, yeah, right? Yeah. But if you don't collect them in time, Thanos gets them. Yeah. And then when you get to the wizard mode, the gems that you don't get, they actually like are they help Thanos out against you. So, but the ones you get actually help you like double value with certain shots or extend time on certain shots, etc. So it sounded like the the rules are really interestingly integrated yeah. into collecting the stones and how you'll actually use them in the mode. Which again is something I really appreciate about Keith Games is like you're always building towards something bigger by hitting all the different shots. Um, so as far as the heroes go, yeah. As far as the Avenger inserts, we have the, the Hulk. Now Iron Man, Captain, Black Widow, Thor, and Black Panther. And are these characters locked in like the Eddies? Uh, yes, okay. essentially. You, well, the, each one ties into a shot and their shot is basically the order they're in on the play field kind of tells you where their shot is at on the play field. Okay. So like the Hulk is the far left Avenger insert. He's the far left orbit shot. Iron Man is the next and he's the tower shot. So that's kind of a fan layout of the Avengers across the shot. And each one like to collect Hulk, you have to hit X amount of spins on the spinner. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. To collect captain uh, america who's the through the pop bumper shot it's not just hitting that shot it's collecting like x amount of pop bumper hits that's how you collect him so you actually want to hit the pop bumpers um some of them i think like black widow and i think black panther are just like hitting those shots three times each so that's the right orbit and the center ramp thor is based on i think playing thor multi-ball which you get by hitting the captive ball and spelling thor um those sort of things so each character is collected by hitting some unique way and collecting each character. Very nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about, um, what do you think about the art package? Uh, zombie Yeti is the best thing to happen to pinball art since. I don't, I don't fucking know, but he's fucking been awesome. Like the dude just kills it. And he talked about like how busy he was because he went straight from turtles to this, yeah, and like time restraints. But uh, I think it's interesting because he came from a dude who wasn't into pinball, and you know we've we've talked before about his history of just randomly getting sought out by J-pop because of J-pop's Google search for zombie <laughs> artwork or something. Yeah, um, and like to think about like how much pinball has been part of his life now because what we've got. Iron Maiden, right? You've got Deadpool, Ghostbusters, Turtles, Avengers, and he also did the Primus art package. 
I'm not sure if there's anything else I'm forgetting or not. I apologize if I am. Uh, but he just he's crushed it on everything. Now, now, Primus was also done by um, Zoltron. We have to give Zoltron credit. Oh, sorry. My apologies. Sorry. It's okay. But, yeah. I just want to say. Um, he's done some really cool stuff. Uh, he specifically mentioned, like, yeah, he kind of wanted to design this so that it would be, like, aesthetically pleasing to sit next to his Deadpool because he really likes his Deadpool, um, which I totally get because Deadpool, I think, is a really fun game. Uh, he's he's he is a at it uh, and I, it looks awesome to me. Yeah, it looks great. I think his his use of so I I Ghostbusters I think is you know, that was his first game. I mean that was his first release game. Um, I think the palette in Ghostbusters, like the blues and stuff, like the blues and the purples, all really work well. I think that Maiden. Um, while I think it's, I think it fits the game. I think it fits the theme. I just don't think it works as well palette wise because of it's just like darker colors, right? Um, See, that's funny because I think of that game as a really lightly colored game because like the dirt shows up on it way quicker than a lot of my other machines. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I have a protector on it. I've had a protector on it since I got it, so maybe that's. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like. Yeah, it's just darker to me. Like you have that lower, that yellow in the lower play field. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. What, All like the sand. But color. once you get past the sand color, it's like it's kind of gets a little bit muddled, in my opinion. Um, I it's not it's not I, I don't dislike it, but I think what I like about this the uh, the Avengers it's it's bright right. Um, even turtles, it's like bright, vibrant colors, and it's just really pleasing. You know, it's like you got that oh, cartoon agree, aesthetic, um, but also just the way that, like, the way that like different shots or different colors, like the the light blue. I mean, and I'm just talking like artistically. Like, I just really love like the oranges and the blues work really well together. I think that the way that the inserts are laid out like look really well, look really nice. Uh, you know, I don't understand why they can't make an apron. So it works symmetrically with the play field. I don't know what's up with that, but, um, you know what I'm talking about? Like if you looked at, I think the apron, I think the apron works symmetrically. The problem is you forget about the shooter gauge. So you don't count the shooter gauge as part of the play field. Right. Part of the apron. But I think that the apron, so when they redesign the apron so that can have the screens in it, do it so that the actual the decal that's in the middle is lined up with the playfield art. Okay. Fair enough. enough. I'm just saying, but, um, but yeah, I think that I think like the green of the incredible Hulk, I just, I just think like he, he nailed it with the palette, the color palette on this. I just think it like everything it pops and it's got like, it's sectioned off. So like you have that Thanos area in the middle. It's just very, it's yeah, it's, it looks, it looks good, man. It's, it's pleasing to the eye for sure. It's pleasing to the eye, but it's not like, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause like when I first look at it, like when I first look at Playfields, like my first reaction is always like, Oh, it's just way too busy. Um, and if you, uh, again, it is busy, but I agree. It just looks great. If you don't already follow zombie Yeti on, uh, Instagram and he probably posted it to Facebook too. I don't know, but on Instagram, he posted a video a couple days ago, 
of him like scrolling through his tablet showing the artwork. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really, really cool to see, you know, what he came up with. And you see a lot of the details that on the assembled game are harder to see when you've got ramps and wire forms covering things. And it just looks awesome to me. I don't know. I really enjoy it. I, yeah, I think that I like the artwork on Deadpool work really well. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just think it, it, it works really well. Um, and I think all the I think all the art packages, I'm not sure I have them to pull up, but there's just the two this time. Um, apparently, the word is that they just ran out of time to create a full separate premium art package, so that the art package between the premium and the LEs actually the same this time, minus the the powder coating and the LEs get the real mirrored back glass. I'm looking. I'm looking at the. Um, I'm looking at cabinet art. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Oh yeah, the cabinet art is good. Yeah, Thanos. I honestly like it on both editions. I mean, it just looks good. Yeah, it looks good. I'm I'm gonna start moving games around. When when are yeah, they? You're getting, when are they supposed to start? You, what shipping? do you get? What? <laughs> With this month, um, it's been interesting because typically they'll run pros first and get those to locations for the most part. Um, and then you get your LEs for the LE buyers, then you get more pros and then premiums. Uh, the rumor going around right now is basically they're only doing like a tiny run of pros. And again, just rumor, I don't know this is fact or anything to essentially get distributors like their game, but because there aren't shows right now, oh, and there's yeah. a lot of locations not open. They don't seem as worried about getting those pros out. So they're supposed to be jumping to like LE should be shipping by the end of the month to everyone. Which are within like two to three weeks, and then they'll do some more pros and then the premiums. Um, but I've heard late October for premiums, which is you know two months away. But isn't that isn't that interesting though? Like thinking about like the model, <clears throat> the pinball model has always been distributor or um, location, location, location. You know, Gary always yeah. bang that home. Like the homeowner, that's, that's who's buying yeah, their the games. homeowner is not like who we're making games for, and now that's who you're making games for. Um, yeah, it, it's just the reality, um, because locate so many locations have closed recently yeah. and then so many more are restricted. I know our buddy AJ was just able in Colorado to finally get pinball machines turned back on in the last week or so. It's crazy. Um, and I know here in Michigan, arcades are still technically supposed to be closed. So it's, it's definitely interesting to see what is open, what isn't, where it's going and, how do you appease everyone? Like as an operator, like I really want to get my <clears throat> uh, Avengers ASAP because I want it on location so people will come and play and I can make money on it. Yep. Um, now at the same time, I realized they may not try to get me a pro right away. So it's like, do I order a pro and then upgrade or do I just order the premium knowing it's going to be like the same time frame this time? So it makes it a little bit tougher. Do you, so your location in Indiana is open? Yes. Okay. Um, it's, local once Purdue students came back. So since the last time we recorded Purdue students came back like the week after that, I think. And at that point, our County health passed a bunch of harsher restrictions on specifically bars and restaurants. So we went from being like 75% capacity and we could actually serve at the bar top uh, in restaurants back to 50% capacity. Bar tops could not be open and basically no businesses are allowed to be open past midnight in our County. Thanks to the Purdue students coming back because they're so worried about people having an outbreak at Purdue. Um, and Purdue students have basically been told, like, essentially they're on lockdown. 
Um, last weekend, the bowling alley had a reservation for roughly 50 students to come and spread out. They have 34 bowling lanes. Right. So it's not like you couldn't have spread those people out. But when they checked with Purdue, Purdue threatened all the students with expulsion if they were to go out in a group of 50 to an establishment, even if they followed the like wearing the mask and closing at midnight thing. So it's been really hard. There's actually been several businesses that have closed down in Lafayette in the last couple of weeks. And just this week, the largest bar slash dance club slash piano bar that's been uh, right on basically Purdue's campus for almost 30 years announced that they're closing because they just can't afford to stay open. Um, it's a scary time for stuff like that right now. Yeah, it's tough, too, because I know that um, like a couple arcades that I follow on Instagram, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of locations where it's kind of like, why why is this business able to be open? But I cannot like what? Yeah, like, I've seen what that is it with, with our, a lot. Of yeah. Them. And it really doesn't. I mean, going back to like when lockdowns first happened and I certainly am, I can appreciate why they did. But when you're, you know, when you look at it and you go, wait, wait, so Home Depot and Lowe's and grocery stores can be open, but mom and pop stores can't like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just think about it in the fact that you're telling me the bar I work at, which I think our max capacity is say like 130, 160. Yeah. And now it's 50 percent, but we can't use the bar side of the restaurant. So probably closer to like 40 to 60 people yeah. is our max capacity. Yeah but I can be in a building at school where there's 1500 people in the same building yeah. or at cafeteria just for lunch. There's 200 plus yeah. people. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of well, sense. Well, you know, schools are, <laughs> schools are just being used as daycare facilities. I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm a very yeah. underpaid babysitter. I get it. Oh man. Yeah. It's I, cause I, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, but I, I, yeah, it's like seeing these places close. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And, and at the same time, like I'm fortunate that this is, just a hobby for me and not something I've turned into a full-time career, thankfully. And I'm able to, when a game like this comes out, no, I want it, sell off a few games and yeah. make room for it. They'll get it. And yeah, I hope I make some money on it, but you know, if I don't, I'm just happy I have a place to put it and play it. Yeah. 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 It's tough, man. I know like with my rails, I, I was able to get like some material over the summer. Like I shut down during the summer just cause it's too humid and I, you know, it's, You're doing labor, yard labor, doing work, yard labor work, but really, I mean, I really shut down cause it's, it's too humid. So I just cannot make rails. And, um, but the company that I get wood from, as soon as the pandemic hit, like they just don't have material. And I called them last week and I'm like, I, you know, like I was able to get like one shipment of material. So like 20 pieces and that's it. Like, they're like, we don't, we don't have people coming in. Um, like they just cannot, you know, it's like what, what I need is not top of the priority. So that's just not being produced. So I just don't have material. I don't know when I'll get material. So I'm like trying to figure out like normally rail wise, I would be like this week. Cause my kids go back to school is when I would start cranking out rails and I don't know what to do. Cause I can basically make 20 sets of rails and then that's it. Like that's all the material I have. And so I don't know what to do. Like I've got, you're about to go on like real, real unemployment. Damn. Yeah. And yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, it sucks. Um, it does, it man. sucks, man. But I will say that 
for all of its suckiness and of life in general right now, yeah. based on all sorts of things. The day Avengers was announced, I felt really good and like felt real excitement. It was fun. Nice. Like me and my friends talked about that. We're like, because I don't like do drugs and I never have. But I was like, is this what drugs are like? Like where you just feel good, <laughs> happy about something for a day? And I'll keep their answers disclosed. Um, but yeah, you know, turns out. <laughs> I, I when I saw when I saw Avengers, I, you know, maybe it was because I knew that I wouldn't be playing it anytime soon. Because, you know, I'm not going out to location or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I've watched the trailer a couple times. And, yeah, I was like, man, this is this is pretty good. I felt like Stern did a decent job in... Um, did they do a good job in, like, maintaining the surprise? I mean, we knew about I, it. I thought they did a better job than they have in the past. Yeah. I had been told... I don't know, maybe a month to two months ago that it was going to be Black Panther. Yeah. Which I thought would have been awesome. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like I would have loved yeah. that. Um, and then somebody told me, I don't know, maybe two weeks before that it definitely wasn't Black Panther. And they wouldn't tell me what it was. So that's like when I got really like actually excited about it, like, you know, weird way. Cause I was like, man, I don't know what this is, but I know it's coming soon. Like what is going to be. And then anyway, I figured out it, it was actually Avengers. I was told that by. Uh, a distributor who's not my distributor. Um, but I didn't really, it's not a person I'm super familiar with or anything like that. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of odd. Yeah. And I posted it in like the pin side Keith Owens next game thread, like asking like, Hey, does anybody else heard Avengers? Cause I just heard that. And everyone just like shit on it and was like, ah, maybe that dude's just wrong. <laughs> that was kind of like funny. And then like two days later they announced it and I was like, oh, all right, take that. There's your shit. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was interesting. Cause I mean, I didn't know for sure, you know, yeah. it's, and it did again. I, I got it. It seemed odd, especially when there are so many different Marvel licenses that could be because I could, I saw how well black Panther did as far as like box office gross and same with captain Marvel. Like it made sense to me that it could have just be a Marvel game and it's getting confused with whatever it might be. And then anyway, it turned out it is Avengers and it's, it's done very well. So do you think I had my excitement about it? Do you think Avengers came out, quicker because of covid um they actually talked about that a bit in the the podcast go, they go did. listen and to the other podcast before yeah. you listen to ours and then i should it just done that. uh it, they said it was a different style of designing yeah but they had actually just finished building the first couple of prototypes like right when the stern factory um had to close so they had a couple of them built and that's when they all had to start like doing the finishing process of the game essentially remotely yeah and it kind of changed things, but it didn't come out any faster. They did say it did help with like the fact that it, the accessories are ready to go right here at launch. Yeah, like that design time was easier to come by since they were all working remotely. But uh, but um, I, I'm wondering more so, did it as far as like a new title? Because it seemed like it came, <clears throat> it seemed like it came really close on the tails of um, turtles. It does seem that way, but I think that's just because time has moved differently for all of us. It's still actually like the three month or so, is it really? three to four yeah, month but... time span that Stern waits. Um, See, I wondered because <clears throat> if you only have so many home buyers, right, and you figured that your home, your home buyers, I mean, how are sales driven, right? Like your sales are driven by hype, and yeah. once those games, once you get that initial hype sale then you have to wait 
because then it's like word of mouth or location play is going to, or you go to a show and that is going to sell games. Now with, without any of that, you just have the hype. And once a hype is gone, it's like maybe your sales tank on that title. Now, it's not that they won't pick back up once people actually get a chance to play it in person, but I think most people are not going to go full Tommy and order it like you did. You know what I mean? Like probably not. Like I could see but like it's they're Keith like Owen, man. Right, but I could see them saying, "Look, we're we're going to release like the expectation would be like we will sell more turtles down the line once it gets to go to shows and stuff like that." But as of now, it's like we just need to have the we have to have the line going. Yeah, and it's totally possible. Um I think they just have a schedule and they stuck to it. That's my guess. I would, I would really be interested to know, like what. I, st- I still think we're going to see another Stern title before the end of this year. I wouldn't be surprised either, but be- because of that same reason, where I think you are, you're looking at like your sales aren't, your sales aren't being driven by shows. They're only being driven by this hype, the hype stuff yeah. right now. So it's like even if you, even if you release two new titles between now and Christmas. Like you could still produce those titles, you know, like like them p- doing premiums now, like down the road, like say we're we get back to normal next summer, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, hey, which model pro do you want? We have like all these, we you know we've got turtles, we've got Avengers, we've got whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like they'll just have more in their library that they'll be selling. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Th- say this week. Expo was officially canceled yep. and pinball at the zoo were both shows that were supposed to take place in October and they're both officially done. I think the York show, uh, York show, I think was canceled. Yeah. I, I suspect, I suspect we're not going to have any shows or competitive pinball play until probably March of next year. That's my guess. Like another six months. I think it'll be longer than that. Longer than that. Yeah. I, it, I, it, I I struggle to see Texas canceling back-to-back years. I think we will. um, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough because even if we get a vaccine, you've got to get it distributed. um, And you have to get it distributed in a timely manner because it's like if the vaccine only lasts for like two months, you've got it, you know, I don't know. Hopefully there's a plan. Hopefully there's people who are paid more than I am. I'm not paid anything to um, come up with a plan on how to distribute that because we'll see, but we'll get there. We will, we will. And we'll play Avengers roughly 10,000 plays if you're Taylor and that time will pass very quickly and we'll be there before you know it. Um, again, I know you said you had about an hour and a half, two hours, Taylor, and we're already hitting that. We are. Here's my thing, man. Are you going to just based off of the initial hype here this, this week, are you thinking about what to sell to get an Avengers? Uh, yeah, I would sell Ghostbusters and I would sell roller games. And would you be looking at a pro or a premium? Premium. Okay. Do you think you're going to do that? I think I will do that eventually, but I'm not in a rush. Gotcha. I, Fair I, enough. I still have like 4,000 games to put on Jurassic Park. Yeah, dude, I'm seriously so mind blown by that. I, uh, <laughs> uh, that's what I figure. Do you know of anyone in your area who is for sure already getting one? I do not. I assume now we have an operator 
that usually gets like the newest game. So I assume that he will get one. Um, location is Bingo Beer. Um, and then my friend Dan, who operates at Center of the Universe Brewery, he got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I don't know that they are. I don't know that the games are being played yet. Um, yeah, I remember him mentioning that. Yeah, so I don't know if he would get one um, just because he's, like I said, he's got a Turtles and he has not been able to. I don't think he's put on location, so I think that he would want to get that out first. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough. And especially if, like, if they're only doing premiums at the beginning, I don't, I don't foresee a premium landing anywhere. Um, I'm sure some local players will probably pick one up. Like we have a couple, we have several collectors who usually get like the, um, some premium models, but I'm not necessarily going over to people's homes and playing pinball right now either. So somebody wants to buy, somebody wants to trade me a, uh, Avengers premium for a Ghostbusters pro and a roller games. Hit me up. I feel like you're going to need to like throw something else in with that, man. I, I hate to break. Okay. That to you. I will throw a, I will throw in a, I'll throw in some dirty Donnie art. Uh, Ooh, there we go. A couple of sets of Reese rails. A couple maybe. sets of Reese rails. I got a discipline podcast hat. Um, those are very limited, by the way. Very limited. Very yeah. limited. But, um, yeah, man. I think, yeah. And you have, you All said right. you ordered a premium? I ordered a pro with for my location okay. with a deposit on a premium. And I already have a buyer lined up for my pro for once my premium is ready. Dude, you are a player. I, you well, I just. Hustler. Hustler. Yeah, well. I, I have never done that route. I know there's other places that have. Typically, I can't justify the premium, but this one just seems to have a little bit too much more for me to not want the premium. Yeah. And but I still want that. Like, uh, you might not be as might not read as many as the operator threads or Facebook groups as I do. But I mean, the reality is like getting one of the early pro models and getting it on location. Yeah. People travel to play, and that is when it makes its most money is that first month or two. Yeah, I can see so that. So it's, it's worth doing it. Um, now, granted, again, my location, smaller, not as busy, et cetera. Yes, they make more money than my other games for the first month or two. They don't make a ton more. So I don't really know if it's justifiable for me to try that. But because of that, I posted it in a local, uh, local pinball group, and I basically said, like, this is what I want to do. Would anyone be interested in my pro uh, That's, yeah. you know, knowing ahead of time that I know I have it sold and I have two people that both said, yes, so I made a deal with the first one, let the second one know he's the backup plan and agreed upon a price based on what I was paying, et cetera. And it seemed like a smart way to do it yeah. for me. Um, that way I know I've got it on location. He knows I maintain my games while on location, clean them regularly, et cetera. And I can eventually upgrade to that premium. Now the reality is like people at my location who are playing for the most part, aren't going to have any clue that there's differences. I could put the pro there and leave it there and they wouldn't know, you know, if there's a different thing out there. But the reality is I just really want that premium. So I'm going to find a way to get it. So what's, that's what I, what's the one feature on the premium that you feel like you could not do without? For me, it's that captain Marvel ramp. Okay. Okay. Um, is the fact that, again, I worry about rules, but the fact that that's the, the portal, uh, 
<coughs> multi-ball for the modes rule is still integrated into the pro with virtual locks. Yep. I could live with that and it would be easier maintenance. But when you add a whole extra ramp into a game, yeah. like, and it's, it's such a cool looking ramp. I really want, I really want to shoot that ramp. Like that ramp sold me. Now that ramp is like, let's say on the expensive, excuse me, expensive side, what? $200, let's say in metal somehow. Yeah. It's like $25 in metal. Yeah. I'm, I'm being on the expensive side. Okay, okay. Does that justify the extra 15 to 1800 it is God, for the premium? No, no, but I fucking want to shoot but it. Don't, so I, I, so this is the one thing about, this is the one thing about the game that I think is interesting is that it doesn't really have any toys, right? But Keith's games usually do. Right. But I think that a lot of times, like that is where you're looking at like the value in bumping up from a premium, right? Oh, Jurassic Park, you had the the T-Rex. The T-Rex would... That's true, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big toy. But so you don't have anything like that. So like the big thing is the difference at least between premium and pro taking LE out of the equation because it's our package or it's it's not even our package. It's, um, trim. It's trim and whatnot. Back glass versus translate. Um, which is cool. I do like black glasses, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, I mean, I guess you have the pop-up mech, right? You have a pop-up. Yeah. And also you have a a scoop and a vertical up kicker on the far right instead of a stand-up target. Right. That's pretty big difference. Mechanically the subway, and the ramp. Yeah. But that's like but, for fifteen hundred dollars, that seems like a lot. It is. Okay. It is. I get it. But I, I same thing. You said you want the premium. So like it, it worked. They did it this time. They convinced us. They and I still think the pro is gonna be an awesome game. Best value you can get. Like, even though Stern did raise prices, like it's still really hard to beat for new games. Like Stern Pros are still the cheapest thing out there. By a decent amount. Well, you could spend twelve thousand dollars and buy a Rick and Morty. Seven thousand? Twelve. Well, is that what they're selling for or something? Yeah. So yeah, so we so, I mean, so we posted one for twelve thousand dollars, Rick and Morty. I saw one just sell for ten thousand in Atlanta That's like this crazy. week. Crazy. I mean, it is. It Holy is. shit. Um, Spooky's getting seven thousand. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well. Oh, seventy five hundred for the blood sucker. Um you want to talk about deep root? I'm just kidding. No, no. Uh, I did. I was going to do quick. I'm running through my list based on my idea I had right before. Oh, yeah. What about that? We never did that. So, Elwin, Elwin, you have, we're going to compare his first three. Okay. So, you got Maiden, Jurassic Park, and then Avengers. Okay. All right. Steve Ritchie, you have Airborne Avenger, Flash, and Stellar Wars. Whose collection would you rather have? Keys. Pat Lawler, Bonsai Run, Earthshaker, Whirlwind. Keys. Trudeau, Rocky, Spirit, Striker. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with Keys. Gomez, Corvette, Johnny Mnemonic, NBA Fast Break. Oh, now I think that it, I think it's really interesting because I do think that Gomez is coming because he was a toy maker. Coming mm-hmm. from being a toy maker, like you can really see it. Like hearing those first three titles, you're like, ah, yeah, I totally get it. I think that th- those three games are really fun games. Wait, what was the first one? What was his first game? Corvette. Yeah, I mean, even Corvette. Like, um, yeah, I think Corvette shoots really well. Corvette shoots really well. I had a monster game at Pinburg on Corvette. Like, walk away, like just killed it. 
Um, so I do have an affinity for that game, but I would go with Elwin. All right. And then Borg, you have Star Wars, yep. the Data East, okay. Jurassic Park, the Data East, okay. and Last Action Hero. Okay. I would go with I would go with Keith. Fair. I would do the same. Who do you think has the next best uh first three games though out of those designers? The So like you got Elwin, obviously we pick Elwin over all of those. But if you had to go with your next designer, like your collection is those three first games they made. What what were Lawlers? It was um Bonsai oh, Run. Earthshaker and Whirlwind. Bonsai Run was his first game. That was, yeah. Originally Wrecking Ball, the 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 one he built at his home so, became Bonsai Run, I do have an affinity for that game because when I first got into the hobby, the guy I bought my Adams Family from had a Bonsai Run. And I, he had gotten like, he had done a, he got in the playfield clear coded. And I was over there and I, I played it. It was like the first time I played it and I beat the, I got, I beat the King of the Hill or whatever. And I put my initials in his game and he was so pissed. That I and he was such a dick, like he sucked. Like he was like a total scumbag, um, total scumbag, like just rip off guy. So like basically, as soon as you left, he probably erased the high school. Oh, totally, totally. But he would buy like he would buy container. I mean, this was like back when like people would buy container games and they would flip them and like they'd be missing max and like it would, it was just a mess. And so that's who I bought my first game from and like worked for two weeks, you know, it was like sucked. And then I had to learn how to fix machines immediately. But, but because of that, I really love Bonsai Run. I, I do think it's a really innovative game. It's super I, fun. I agree. I think Bonsai Run, I don't want to pay what it goes oh, for, no, but no, I no. always have fun when I play yeah, yeah. that game. But that's a $4,000 game. I mean, that's like... Oh, dude, if you're lucky. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying, like, that's what I would, I would pay for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, I, I know of one that someone has had for over 25 years and it's been broken since I've known they've had it, which is like six years. The, the lift and I just can't get them to sell it to the me. The lift mechanism. That's the one that all, that's always breaks. I'm guessing everything is probably broken on it at this point, but that lift mechanism has been redesigned by our boy Swinks and is it, available on shape. It does Swinks. Um, um, I, yeah, Lawler's games. I like Lawler's games. Um, I like Earthshaker a lot too. Yeah. Whirlwind, I I don't care for. Now, impressively, in 1990, he does release both Whirlwind and Funhouse just ten months apart. If you did, okay, so, okay, so I'm obviously taking a break from the podcast. Let's wait, and then when Keith does his fifth game, I'll come back because that will mean that Lawler will also have um, Adam's family. So he would go Bonsai Run, Earthshaker whirlwind bun house oh wait let's get rid of one of those um let's get rid of whirlwind six games let's wait for keith when keith does his sixth game i'll come back so, so we got like a three four year win <laughs> uh bonsai run bonsai run earth Shaker. he does follow up fun house with adam's family and twilight, and twilight zone, zone. So yeah I mean, like talk about that, that is an impressive first six games first six games now so if if Keith's games grow exponentially like Lawler's did, dude, I take my money. Take my money yeah. right now. Put I, I I'm putting my deposit right now on Keith's fifth game because Twilight Zone was a little yeah, it was a little too much, um, a little too stop and go wide body. Didn't need to do that. Um, 
Like, I don't want Keith starting to design a wide body. Like, I don't want his head to get too big and be like, oh, I got it. You know, I need more space. I need more space. Yeah, I don't think Stern. Will, I don't think Stern will be doing wide body. So I think you're safe. Do you think Stern? Do you think Stern will ever do another wide body? No. No. Okay. Nope. Not a chance. Um. All right, man. That's yeah. That's it. That's it. That's I, I think it's it's impressive if you just look at to me <laughs> what what Keith's been able to develop in his first three games versus what a lot of historical designers released in their first three games. It's a, it's an impressive start to a hopefully long career in pinball design. And the guy came out of nowhere. It was like, who is this guy, Keith Elwin, designer? How did he get a job as a designer? What has he done? Archer, homebrew. So I have to. Which I still, oh. I still hope he gets to do an Archer game. One I mean, day. I'm just, that would make me I'm so just saying because he's like not only like now considered one of the best pinball designers. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah. He's designed three he's, games, and he's always he's already like we're we're talking about him. We're t- we're talking about him with Pat Lawler. Yeah, and the guy just is a animal as a competitive pinball player, the Michael Jordan of pinball. I'd say it's still hard to not consider him the best player in the oh, world. Oh no, easily the best pinball player in the world. And they did also have uh, Raymond Davidson, who's I think still most likely ranked number one or right up there, helping with rules on this game too. Yeah, which is right so there. You've got like those brains just working on the rules, and it's. It's just a lot of excitement. I'm looking forward Look, to it, man. What, where Stern is, Stern, if Stern can get out of COVID, right? If they can get through this pandemic, the people that they have lined up to work for the next 20 years in their company is going to be like the, it could be like the evolution of pinball. Like, it, like we will see, we will see a breakthrough of some kind in pinball where it's just like, I don't know. I just think it's like going back to like looking at like where Pat Lawler was and where he ended up on game five. Like if, if they have the time to allow like an Elwin, a Davidson, um, who else is there now? Um, who's doing code? Um, Tim Sexton, Tim Sexton, Zach Sharp. Zach Sharp. I mean, they have it's crazy. some of the greatest, minds in playing pinball they're working now through the design process and i think the reality is to like have a great competitive pinball mind you just really have to appreciate every little aspect of pinball because you know what mechs break on location when you're trying to play a game or in a competitive settings you know what makes for a good rule set well keith keith Um, was keith was an operator i mean like the guy is like come from i mean that's the one thing i think like looking at like um pat lawler and what he's done with jersey jack I think that seeing like what Keith has done versus what Pat has done, like I think that that's where you see the difference between one of the greatest pinball players ever who is now a great designer to somebody who was just a great designer because you just like, I don't know. It's like, it just, it's missing something. And I think that so many people play 2000 games at home. Uh, just but I think that you have. I don't think they do. I man. think you have so. I think you're weird. You have so many people who are playing so much pinball. It's like you need you need that polish, and I think that having somebody like Keith who has like that rule set mentality, like that that is what takes his games to the next level. So yeah, I I can't argue with it, man. Well, I think we we summed up Avengers well. Okay, like we we want it. 
as always, man, enjoy recording with you. Tommy. If this is the last time we hear from you for a while, so be it. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens in the future. But uh, if this is the end of the run, dude, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Man, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I just, I, you know, I mean, we've become friends and. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's funny. Like, and I think it was literally because someone was like, hey, you two should record together. Yeah. Because we did like independent we shows. We were doing the one. Pretty we cool. were doing the one and done multiple times, and people were like, "You guys should just record one together." And then um, um, Nate from Coast to Coast made some comment about. I think I said this before. I think I actually talked to Nate about it, and he denied it. But I think he said something <laughs> like, "I think I, I think he said something about." He mentioned the one and done. And was like, I don't know, you know, he's just like, I don't understand it because people are doing multiple podcasts, so it's not really one and done. And I was like, oh, well, then we shouldn't do the one and done. And we, that's how I think we did our own thing. Yeah. Hey, man, it's been fun. Uh, I will likely be back in some way, shape or form with the, the show because there's all sorts of rumors of other things getting unveiled this month. And I'm sure I'll have excitement about those as well. Uh, and we'll bring you back when you feel like coming back. Man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I've, and I've had a great time. And to everybody who, um, who has listened or will listen to this, I, yeah, I'm, I, and I will say like, I have had people reach out to me recently after a couple of shows asking me if I'm okay, <laughs> which I think, which I think is really great. Like people care. Well, um, after they realize you've played 7,000 uh, games of just Jurassic Park and Iron Maiden, they're going to reach back out, man. Um, but I, I am good. Like I'm, I'm in a good place. Like I'm like, I am, I am in a good place and I'm in, I'm enjoying my life and I'm doing a lot of things. And I think like with the podcast, like I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. And it really, for me, it's more like, I really want you, Tommy, to like, not have to worry about trying to reach out to me and like, us getting together. Like I want, I look forward to listening to you and whomever you have on the show or just you talking about, um, talking about pinball, but I definitely don't want you to like, I, I hope you don't kill off the, this flipping podcast. Um, no, man, yeah. I like, I like what we've done. I love we'll it. Put it out here yeah, man. when, whenever it's convenient as we've always done. Uh, don't expect any like musical intros <laughs> and be ready for the return of like the sound of tires on the highways. Uh, I record from the car. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, man, I'm not gonna, I, I won't disappear. Awesome. It'll just become too much of a, a part of my life to not talk about it from time to Absolutely, time. Absolutely, man. All right, brother. Well, look, Tommy, take care. And, um, thanks to everybody who listens and I hope everybody, you guys take care of each other. Be safe, go out and vote. Um, your vote matters. Go out and vote. And, um, we have to um, we have to rid our country of a tyrant. Agreed, Tommy. I will. Um, I'll, I'll chat with you later. Yeah, man. Sounds good. We'll catch you guys later. All right, man. Bye. Bye.